Yeah, and uh, Michael Bunting will look great in the <laughs> Penguins jersey next year. Michael Bunting, maybe David Kampf. I don't know. Those are Dubas' guys. Yeah. I feel like they would look great in uh, black and gold. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about them in uh, a few minutes here. We will. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. This time, no Harper, no Casey. It's just myself, Chad Melbourne, and we have a very special guest. If you're watching on YouTube, you're probably thinking to yourself, where the heck are these guys? Who the heck is one of these guys? Well, just relax. We're going to tell you, okay? We're in my apartment. We're doing a nice little episode from home here and not uh, virtually like we normally do. And our special guest, this is Mr. Jonathan Kiriak, who is one of our favorite recurring guests. Um, I'll give you a little bit of info about him if you don't know him. And then we're going to get into talking about some Maple Leaf stuff here. So John was a scout with the Ottawa 67s years back. Um, That's how we met and came in contact with Kyle Dubas. He worked under Kyle Dubas for a summer uh, with the Maple Leafs back during the Lou Lamorello era in Toronto. And now he's everybody's favorite (laughs) corporate lawyer. So John, it's glad to have you know, I'm glad to have you in person. How are things? Yeah, great. I mean, any any time I get the chance to come and take over for uh, for Harp and Casey, I think is is welcome to everybody, especially your viewers. Yeah, so. I was gonna say they're number one. That's who appreciates it the most. Yeah. I think actually last year when we did this episode talking about our ideal off season for the Maple Leafs, this was like one of our most watched on YouTube. I think we had about 3,000 views. So the people want to hear what Mr. Kiriakou has yeah. to say. While we're here, we'll uh, we'll try and, you know, cool it on the hot takes as much as we can. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, there's been a lot of big news lately, so lots to, uh, to get into. A lot of big news. Perhaps the biggest news of the day that we will not be talking about because this is a hockey show, but PGA and Liv merging into yeah. one entity what the heck is up with that out of nowhere just completely out of left field i mean obviously the uh the the big pga tournament the canadian opens right around the corner and in uh, at oakdale this uh this weekend so it'll be interesting to hear all the uh, the reactions that come out of there uh, once the players have a chance to digest this i'm sure they're just as shocked as everybody but, yeah well uh, i heard they found out when everybody else did too the pga players had no indication that this was happening and then yeah. it did and i'm sure there's some sour players and fans about yeah. it too but like we said we're not getting into that because even though it's the biggest news of the day not hockey related um some big hockey news as well that we should mention before we get into this episode is that Ivan Provorov is now a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. What were your thoughts on that three-way deal? Cal Peterson goes to the Flyers, and uh, a few picks go to the Flyers as well. Yeah, it seems, I mean, mentioning Provorov and Cal Peterson right off the top seems like a few guys who, who might need a change of scenery. I've always thought really highly of Provorov. You know, it's been a struggle for him at times lately, as has been the case for that entire team, but... Um, you know he'll have a, a chance to go and, and play a lot with uh, with a great partner, and assuming they play together in Zach Wierenski. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what the dynamic is under uh, under Coach Babcock in Columbus. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So so should be uh, should be really interesting. Haven't had a chance to fully digest all the moving pieces in there, but uh, 
you know the the pipeline from from Philadelphia to Columbus is alive and strong, following the likes of Voracek, Jeff Carter. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know those those two teams seem to like to uh, to trade Cam Atkinson, Cam Atkinson going yeah. the other way. Um, you know, but yeah, I think I think a change of scenery will probably be uh, probably be good for him. He's got a very high ceiling, in, in my opinion, Provorov, of course, we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, so I, I like the risk uh, Columbus has taken here. And uh, Carter Hart might also mm-hmm. be out the door in Philadelphia as well. I don't know if that's part of bringing in Cal Peterson, maybe as a replacement, and maybe Danny Barrera and company are deciding, okay, we're finally going to tear it down and yeah. some of the big pieces are moving out. Maybe that's the plan. We don't really know at this point. But uh, a lot of big moves in Philadelphia and around the league going on right now. So it'll be interesting to see how it shapes out mm-hmm. over the uh, coming weeks leading into next season. And also, before we get in, I know we're going to get into Leafs talk here. That's what this episode is about. But there are just a few more things we have to go through. Uh, the last one I want to bring up is, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs going on right now. Sergei Bobrovsky was pulled last night in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, for the first time and that, that he's allowed, I believe, more than three goals maybe all playoffs I forget maybe that first round he had a a tough game or so I'm trying to remember back but against the Leafs for sure and against Carolina he was rock solid Uh, but last night got the yank just give me your your overall thoughts on that series and maybe who you think your Conn Smythe uh, favorite is right now because I thought it was Bobrovsky but after getting the yank last night I think his odds have plummeted yeah yeah as did I and I'll I'll circle back to that in a second Um, you know in terms of my thoughts it looks like through the first two games that the mojo that that Florida had, you know, starting in the the middle of that Boston series through Toronto through Carolina, has has dissipated a little bit. Not to say they won't get it back. They've shown, um, you know, a lot of good intangibles through through their uh, their run so far. So I'm by no means counting them out, especially going home. But yeah, right now Vegas just looks bigger. They look faster. They look stronger. They look more determined. Their goalie's been better. You know, so it's hard to yeah, it's hard to compete with that, and, and you know, shows it when you lose seven to two. Um, so you're gonna have to beat the four to five times coming up. Uh, Florida, of course, will probably point to the Boston series, and I'm sure Paul Maurice has been harping on that for the last uh, 24 hours here, or however long it's been since uh, since game two ended. But yeah, Florida's in Florida's in real tough. Uh, Vegas looks like a well-oiled machine. Um, got a lot of depth. Their defense has, has been great, and you know you can see just their resolve, even even as guys like Alex Petrangelo, Mark Stone, continuously take punches and cross checks and whatever Florida can oh, throw yeah. at them. They're not they're not backing down. They're not uh, getting getting dragged into the uh, after the whistle stuff as much as Florida has. So. Um, yeah, credit to Vegas through uh, through two games. And in terms of Con Smythe, yes. I, I like you was was thinking oh, it's Bobrovsky's for sure, yeah. or maybe it's Kachuk. But right now, you know what? Twelve goals in twelve games, I believe it is. It's hard to uh, hard to bet against Jonathan Marsh so Yeah, um, a three you know. point night the other night mm-hmm. as well, and. I heard this the other day. You'd have to fact check me. I'm not entirely sure, but the only player on that team, the only regular on that team, under six feet tall. So Vegas, yeah. big, strong, yeah. in-your-face team, and Marsha show the the wee guy is putting the puck in the net. Yeah, and it'd be fitting, you know, a team that's that's had a lot of success through just six years in the league. 
Um, but you know, originally it was built around this narrative of being being misfits, and he was kind of the epitome of, of that type, coming from um, you know a bit of an unheralded career previously with with Tampa, and then on to Florida, and to see him succeeding here and kind of leading the charge, it'd be fitting to to see him win a win a Conn Smythe. Um, you know, Jack Eichel's been great as well. Yeah. Um, Petrangelo is a winner, so there's a lot of good candidates, but it's hard to look past the uh, the goal scoring. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I'll let you know I put five bucks on Aiden Hill last night. I previously had ten on Bobrovsky, <laughs> so I'm trying to chase my losses yeah. right now, which is never a good betting strategy, by the way. Uh, but that's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. And, and that was something that Harper mentioned last episode, actually, that Aiden Hill was his dark horse for the vet or for the uh, Conn Smythe because he's been playing like a Vesna caliber goalie in these playoffs, which is crazy to say, you know, thinking that Aiden Hill and Alex Lyon would be two of the goalies in the playoffs right now. If I said that at the start of the season, yeah. you'd say, who? Alex Lyon? And, you know, like Aiden Hill, really? So Yeah, maybe even more surprising given who's sitting on the bench right now for Vegas. Exactly. You have a two-time cup winner backing you up, probably a future Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, so credit credit to Aiden Hill, credit to the Knights. They're looking good, and we'll see what uh, Thursday's got in store. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so there's our cup talk now. We're going to get into some Leaf stuff. This is what you're here for. Uh, we're going to talk about our ideal offseason for Brad Tree Living. And we say for Brad Tree Living and not just for the Maple Leafs because, of course, Tree Living is the newest name, the new shiny toy in Toronto. He's the new general manager of the Maple Leafs. Before we get into your general opinions about uh, Brad Tree Living, what did you make of the whole Kyle Dubas, Brennan Shanahan media frenzy that went on that saw Kyle Dubas? Uh, you know, thinking he was going to stay in Toronto and then mentioning his, in his press conference that maybe he didn't want the job and that it was tough on his family. And then after all of that, actually getting fired by Shanahan and now going on to getting a promotion and working for the Penguins as a president of hockey operations. What did you make of that whole situation? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was interesting to say the least. Like, it's, it's very rare that we see, especially with this team, things like this play out so publicly. Um, you know, in terms of my reaction, I thought the honesty from from Shanahan kind of left it as where I didn't really have much of a reaction because there wasn't much to speculate on, it seemed. Um, you know, he kind of laid things out minute by minute, seemingly. Um, you know, and obviously we still need to hear, if we ever do hear, Kyle's side of the story. Um, Which I don't think we will. Yeah, I mean, at this time, I I think both parties are content to just move forward. And, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I was was certainly surprised. I I expected, like many others, that he would both receive an offer to sign an extension and sign that extension. Ultimately, that didn't happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's sports, you know. That people become free agents, whether you're players or you're an executive, and you have to do what's best for you and best for your family. Um, you know, I'm sure whatever strategy or moves Kyle was making at the time um, were ones he thought was best for for him and his family. On the other side, I'm sure the moves that that Shanahan has has made and and was contemplating at the time he feels are best for the Leafs, given the fact he's still got a contract and has to consider those interests. Right. Um, 
Yeah, but it's you know it's unfortunate for sure. It's Kyle's a well liked guy. Obviously, he's he's done a lot for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a lot of good people on his staff there who continue to be employed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So for now, for now, for, for now, now. We'll uh, see. fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed that they get to stay. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes sports is ultimately it's it's it can be selfish and tough decisions have to be made on on both sides and it looks like both guys had to make a real tough decision and luckily Kyle to nobody's surprise landed on his feet very quickly down in Pittsburgh um, you know his his hat was kind of thrown in at the last second uh, when they were already through their process so yeah we'll, we'll see he's got a lot of changes to make that he's already started to make he's got to get a GM in place he's got to do a draft He's got to find out what he's got with with Jari and Nett if, if they're able to re-sign him. And then, you know, the cupboards are bare. It's no secret in Pittsburgh. Like, that's going to be a big project. Um, you know, they've, it sounds like they've committed to him long term. So he's he's in for the long haul with them. And, you know, he's, out, he's there at an interesting time where they're, of course, you know, I'm sure they would love to win one more cup or go on one more run with the guys they have. But... They missed the playoffs this year. They don't have any prospects coming, um, you know. So you just, I guess, the strategy for now is is continue to try and win with the guys they have. But it's going to come transition time real soon. Yeah, well, I think they probably get one or two more kicks at the can with this yeah. core until those players are, you know, past a point where you mm-hmm. can justify running it back repeatedly. Yeah. Um, but all of that being said, like, who else would you rather have as your general manager to fill out around the periphery of a core than Kyle Dubas? Because that's exactly what he's been doing in Toronto for the last four years, yep. four plus years. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's obviously shown that he's capable. You know, people, will of course, point to the lack of playoff success, the success that the team has had. But... Um, you know, I think especially this this year, this trade, trade deadline, Kyle showed a, a strong ability to, to make those peripheral moves and made a lot of moves that that both myself and seemingly the public generally were, were pretty favorable of and, and did in a lot of ways change the composition of the team without taking away from the course. So, yeah, you're you're exactly right when you're going into a situation like he's, he is where trading Crosby or Malkin or Latang is just not realistic, then yeah, yeah you're going to have to look at the pieces that uh, that surround them and bring in a different mix than they obviously had this year where they, they didn't get it done. Yeah, and uh, Michael Bunting will look great in <laughs> Penguins jersey next year. Michael Bunting, maybe David Kampf, I don't know. Those are Dubas' guys. Yeah. I feel like they would look great in uh, black and gold. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about them in uh, a few minutes here. We will. Okay, so that's Kyle Dubas. This whole debacle, this story, has kind of been talked to death. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do now is talk about Bradtree Living, obviously the newest face of the franchise. Um, and we're going to get into that because the Kyle Dubas era is gone. It's mm-hmm. over. It's Bradtree Living time now. And, uh, of course, he works in tandem, uh, I guess, seemingly going forward with Brendan Shanahan, at least for the next two years. So yeah. that's, that's how long Shanahan Uh, has on his contract so we'll see after that what happens but a lot of big decisions for tree living to make um so i just wanted to go through sort of his record what he's about who he is where he came from and uh what leafs fans can expect so 
I wanted to start just by saying that he was the Yotes AGM from 2007 to 2014. Mm-hmm. So he was there for quite a long time. Flames general manager, that's where most people know the name Brad Tree Living from, aside from the fact that he's Jim Tree Living's yeah. son. Yeah. Uh, the Boston, Boston Pizza. Boston Pizza coming in for the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Austin Matthews might sign for a million bucks, but <laughs> you know, sign a $200 million yeah. Boston Pizza get, promotion. Get $100 million worth of pizzas delivered to his store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Flames GM from April 2014 until just recently uh, when he was let go. So that's where the bulk of his moves that we're going to look at uh, came from. So I wanted to start with the draft. Mm-hmm. His draft record generally is pretty good, but there are a few trends that I noticed just when going through some of the players that he picked starting from 2014 up until the most recent draft in 2022. So I found that he typically drafts some bigger players who tend to play in North America, mm-hmm. which seemingly goes against Kyle Dubas's philosophy um, in terms of his drafting in Toronto. He tended to pick some undersized players with high ceilings, uh, and they didn't have to be North American-born players. A lot of them played uh, overseas, whether, whether it be in you know Sweden, Finland, Russia, you name it. So I feel like that was a bit of a trend for Kyle. So it seems like we're getting the opposite here in Brad Treliving. So just off the top, is there any one particular pick that you know that uh, of, of Bradtree Living pick in uh, Calgary that you thought was a steal, you thought was the perfect type of player, or that kind of sums up his um, you know drafting record in Calgary? Yeah, I'll give you... Um, you're going to hate me, but I'll give you a bit of a half answer. Okay. The first thing I'll say, um, you know, general manager, you always set the direction for... You know, you're the boss. You set the direction for every department of your team, whether it's scouting, whether it's, um, you know, analytics, whether it's sports science, no matter what it is, your task was setting the direction. But ultimately, you're delegating that responsibility to to guys that you trust or appoint. Um, in this case, when it comes to scouting and drafting, it's your director of scouting. So, you know, unless you're, unless you're picking for a silver all or very high, like ultimately the general manager doesn't have that much say in terms of whose name is actually called at the table. So I want to give a lot of credit here to to the scouting staff in Calgary and, and yes. particularly um, the, uh, the head scout there who I don't know the name of off the top of my head, but um, it, it's, it's apparent that they've got a good uh, support staff and I'm sure um, you know whether it's the current uh, staff, scouting staff in place that's led by, by Wes Clark or whether it's um, you know his own guy that he wants to bring in and make that change. Um, you know they'll ultimately be tasked with with leading that. So I won't give all the all the credit <laughs> to uh, to Trill Living here. That being said, you asked me for for a pick that I like in particular, and yeah. I'm going to point to one that I see on the board right here, which is um, Andrew uh, Mangiapane. Yes, which is a sixth round pick at the time. If I remember correctly, was a 20-year-old overage player out of Barrie in the OHL. They take him in the sixth round. And the reason why I'm going to point to that is not just because he's developed into a good player and, um, you know, is, is kind of a heart and soul guy, works hard, was on the radar for uh, for Team Canada when we thought they were going to the Olympics. Yeah. But also because of where he was drafted. And that's one thing that the Leafs have had a bit of an issue doing in the last number of years is finding picks in the later rounds. They've hit on, you know, a lot of first-round picks going back to, you know, the unmissable guys with with Marner and Matthews and Nylander yep. and you know whoever else, um, you know, and have had some some 
success recently as well with guys like Lilligren plays and Sandine before he was dealt. Um, and even into the second round with guys like like Matthew Nyes, who looks like he's going to round out to be a be a pretty good player. But a lot of times that value, the true value of your your head scout and your scouting staff works, comes in the later rounds with guys they may be able to find down there. And you look at Tampa, who's who's been kind of the class of that yeah. recently, where you're able to get a guy like like Braden Point in the third round. Um, you know, other guys that you're able to find after the first round picks, the, the guys that you that jump off the page right away. So, um, you know, to see that guys who've been picked very late in the draft, which, you know, is rare, but it happens. But guys who've been picked late in the draft by, by Trilliving and his staff out in Calgary have turned out to be very effective players, very good players, um, and guys that aren't just, you know, you know, working hard and earning a fourth line spot on right. your team or your seventh defenseman, but guys who are actual contributors, and so that's something going forward that hopefully, hopefully, is replicated with the Leafs here. Right, and I do want to give some credit to the Maple Leaf scouting staff and yeah. maybe Kyle Dubas, although being a former scout, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you mentioned, maybe not so much Kyle Dubas. Yeah. But uh, the Maple Leaf scouting staff for picking some of those players in the later rounds, yeah. like I'm thinking of a player like Topi Niemela, mm-hmm. who is still coming up and uh, will likely play full-time for the Marlies next year. Roni Hirvonen is another yeah. player from that same draft who I think has a pretty high ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, all things considered, um, you know, where he was picked and whatnot. So there yeah. are a few players that, you know, seem like they have some high ceilings and are developing nicely, but I just don't think Dubas has been at the helm of uh, the Maple Leafs for long enough to see enough players come through where we can truly evaluate it yet. Yeah, and, and you may you may be right. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll say that it, it's, it's certainly important, especially when you have a good team here where you're, you know, if you have a greater propensity to trade your high picks for, mm-hmm. for value at the deadline or whether you want to unload cap space. And, you know, speaking of cap space, which the Leafs have very little of, you need that constant push up from, from your development system of guys who are ready to come in, play on the cheap on their ELC mm-hmm. and, and take those spots. And so, you know, I, I agree. There, there hasn't been that longevity of guys who, you know, are 24, 25 and find their way up and were later on picks and those types of stories. Um, but given the place where the Leafs are at, it would certainly be be nice to hopefully see a bit of a diamond in the rough uh, yeah. come up. But as I said, it's 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 easier said than done. If they if you knew they were going to be a diamond in the rough, then you wouldn't wait till the sixth round pick and sixth round to uh, to take them. You would have taken if they, if Calgary knew Mangiapane would be a thirty goal scorer, then they would have taken him in the first round or yeah. the second round. So it's 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 definitely not an exact science, but um, you know, point being is. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a different direction from up top, um, a different priority in terms of the players you want, and, and maybe those are the guys that will uh, you know be able to make that step, even though they're later on picks. For sure. And okay, so we're going to get into that later. We have a segment of this episode where we're going to talk about some players who are on the cusp coming up from the Marlies or overseas who might be able to make an impact at the NHL next year. Uh, but for now, we're just going to keep going through uh, Brad Living's record. Mm-hmm. And just to sum up on his draft record, I'll read out just some notable picks um, that he has made or that his scouting staff has made while he's been at the helm as general manager. Fourth overall in 2014, Sam Bennett. Uh, pretty good pick there. Obviously, yeah. didn't work out yeah. in uh, Calgary, but 
He's a hell of a player having a hell of a playoff wow. in Florida right now. Yeah, he's come a long way from uh, being ridiculed for not being able to do a pull-up. And now he's one of yeah. the, the strongest, grittiest players in the league. So Yeah, well, he hurt two players on the Maple Leafs in one series. Yeah. So, it, yeah. You know, there you go. That's the type of player you got there. Um, and just rapid fire here in 2015, uh, Rasmus Anderson, 53rd overall. Oliver Shillington, 60, 60th overall. And Andrew, Andrew Mangiapane, like you just mentioned, in the 6th round. In 2016, a bit of a can't-miss pick with the 6th overall pick in Matthew Kachuk, but... You know, he has established himself as maybe the second best player out of that draft behind Matthews. Like, I don't know if there's an argument for anybody else even. Um, So that was a great pick there. In that same draft, in the second round, they got Dylan Dubé. And then in the third round, they got Adam Fox, which again, another player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Norris Trophy winner, uh, one of the best defensemen in the NHL perennially. So, yeah, he's pretty good. So clearly that was a, uh, you know, a time where they were able to recognize that talent, but obviously weren't able to sign him, ended up trading him to Carolina. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, and then Matthew Phillips as well in 2016, um, a player who has some pretty damn good numbers in the American League, and that could be a guy who, who comes up and makes a, mm-hmm. an impact shortly for the Flames. So 2017, Yusuf Valamaki. I remember that pick because it was one before Lilligren in 2017, and their eyes were on a few players in and around that time. Val Lamacki was a player who I was also interested in uh, the, the Leafs picking, and they went with Lilligren, and they're both pretty good defensemen. Yeah. But again, Valamacki not in Calgary. Uh, I believe he's in Arizona and, and had a pretty good season. So, yep. not a bad pick there. Uh, 2018, no notable uh, players picked, but they didn't pick until the fourth round. So again, it's like there weren't any easy picks there. Going to 2019, Jacob Pelche. Uh, 26th overall. I think that's a pretty good pick. He played a few games this season, yeah. famously under yeah. Daryl Sutter. What number was he? Asked what number he wore. <laughs> um, and Dustin Wolf as well in the seventh round uh, in 2019, who looks like the goalie of the future as soon as next year for this team. I, I would imagine they'll try to get rid of Dan Vladar or do something about that situation there um, because I think they want Dustin Wolf playing NHL games as soon as next season. 2020, Connor Zeri, 24th overall. We're getting into the territory now where, like, we haven't seen these players play. We don't yeah. really know. Yeah, but yeah, these yeah. are some guys with some some high potential, uh, as, as well as uh, Poirier here as well in the third round. Um, and then in 2021, again, haven't seen these players play. But Matt Coronado looks like a good pick, 13th overall as of right now. But we'll just have to wait and see. In 2022, I won't read any names because we just have to wait and see. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. 
This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Okay, that's a draft record for Tree Living. I don't want to spend too much time just going through his history, but I just wanted to bring up three trades, and I want you to tell me whose side you were on for this trade when it happened, mm-hmm. and now that hindsight is twenty twenty, looking back on the trade, whose side you are on uh, now. So the first one I wanted to mention is the most recent blockbuster trade that uh, Brad Tree Living made, and that was, of course, the Kachuk trade where he sent Kachuk in a fourth and got Huberto, Uyghur, Cole Schwint, and a first. So what were your thoughts on that trade when it happened, and what are your thoughts now? Yeah, well, that one I think is a great place to start because my thoughts are very different. Um, at the time, yeah, you know, obviously Matthew Kachuk, great player, 100-point player, but you get in return a 115-point player. You get in return a top-two defenseman. Uh, I won't get into the prospects and the picks, but you know, essentially, yeah, you're 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 trading a hundred point guy for a hundred fifteen point guy who's coming off a, a great season. Uh, was he nominated for the heart? I believe he. I think he was. Well, he set the record. He, he was for, certainly in that realm. Yeah, he set the record he, that year for most assists as a left winger in NHL history. Yeah, yeah I can't remember if he actually got a, a top three nomination, <clears> but regardless, he was, he was in that conversation. Mackenzie Weger, obviously, we we discussed him as well. Um, so I was very much on the side of Calgary. I thought Florida overpaid a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then of course both sides give give out the contracts that they did, or I guess in terms of, of uh, Florida, it was assume a, a sign and trade. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was a great return for uh, for Brad Tree Living, especially under the pressure that he uh, he was. Yes. Um, so a ton of credit to him there. Unfortunately, we know how the first season played out. Um, you know, did not work out at all for Calgary this year. They've got eight more years of, of Huberto at, at 10 5 to yeah. look forward to. Hopefully, he turns it around. I mean, I wouldn't bank on Jonathan Huberto being a 55 or 56 point player next year. I think there's a rebound. You know, is he a 115 point player? I, I don't know. He's probably somewhere in the middle, closer to 100 points. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I would be more confident in his ability to rebound. But regardless, didn't work out this year. Mackenzie Weger is okay. Yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, but I think think can be better. And Matthew Kachuk, you know, another hundred point season. He was the heart and soul of that team through the regular season. Heart and soul of that team right now. Um, you know, of course, this conversation may be very different if Florida doesn't get into the playoffs, which they were close to not doing. But yep. the fact that they are where they are in the Stanley Cup final, it's yeah, through through one year, it's pretty obvious who the uh, who the winner is. Um, you know, but uh, at the time, you don't have the benefit of hindsight. So again, I'll give Bradtree living a ton of credit for for not just doing something bold, but doing something bold under pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the context really matters. You mentioned a couple times mm-hmm. under pressure. You're referring to the fact yeah. that Matthew Kachuk 
asked to be mm-hmm. traded out of Calgary, which is the same thing that happened with Dougie Hamilton, yeah. asked to be traded out of Calgary, and uh, Adam Fox as well, which is the next trade I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. But just quickly on, on the Huberto and, and Kachuk trade, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast that I thought, you know, at the time, I thought Calgary won that trade. They got right. deeper and, you know, they maintained. Uh, some of the offense, mm-hmm. you know, in, in swapping Huberto for Kachuk, like you actually brought in more offense, or at least it seemed that way at yeah. the time. Um, I kind of just chalk it up to coaching. Like at times, Huberto was playing on the third line, mm-hmm. and it seems like no one wanted to play for Daryl Sutter. So I'm going to chalk it up to that and expect both of those players to bounce back next year. Um, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. As of right now, I don't think it's a colossal win or loss either way. I think yeah. we'll have to see how the contracts play out. And Yeah, and, it's such a long-term thing with yeah. long-term commitment from both sides. Yeah, you, you can't declare a winner or a loser after after one year. Um, you know, as any GM will tell you, hopefully both sides win, um, you know, and everybody has a good career and everybody benefits. Um, but yeah, the playoff run is, is obviously made it pretty lopsided, but uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, they got in by a point, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I actually, I think Calgary might have had one more point than them. Yeah, that's that's right. Calgary finished had, in the in the total league standings. Calgary finished ahead of Florida. Florida was the seventeenth place team this year. Yeah, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, that's that's two. <laughs> this is a Leafs podcast, yeah. so we can talk about this kind of stuff. That's two teams who finished outside of the top top sixteen in league standings, who have beat the Leafs. <laughs> in in uh, the playoffs, Montreal yeah. was the first, team. yeah, and then yeah. Florida, of course, this year. So I don't know what it is, man. I just can't can't get over the hump. But okay, back to tree living. We're talking about these trades mm-hmm. because obviously there's a problem right now in Toronto, and everybody's pointing to the core four, and then they look at tree living and say, "Hey, look, like this is a guy who's been able to pull off some big moves yeah. with some big name players," and so they're wondering if. Something like that is going to happen in Toronto. No, I don't know if I would go that far. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what's going on with the core four yet. We're going to talk about that. Um, but that trade wasn't the only time he had done that. So yeah. I want to go to two more trades. I guess we can talk about these next two together at the same time because they're both the Dougie Hamilton trade, yeah, yeah. just different times. So originally, um, Brad Tree Living in the Flames got Dougie Hamilton from Boston. Uh, who I believe requested a trade out of Boston. I, I don't think he fit in very well there. I know that he wasn't he's moved around a bit. Yeah, he, he's he's bounced around. There's something there's something there. I know you've shared this with me before, but he's a hell of a defenseman. Um, so they paid a first and two seconds to get him, uh, and then later, uh, Bradtree living in the flames traded Michael Furland, Dougie Hamilton, Adam Fox, okay, for Elias Lindholm. And Noah Hannafin. Now that trade, at the time when it happened, uh, I looked at it from Carolina's perspective, and I thought, okay, they fleeced mm-hmm. the Flames because not only did they get, <coughs> sorry, not only did they get Hamilton, who became the cornerstone of their defense, you know, for the next mm-hmm. however many years until he needed a new deal, but they got Adam Fox too. The problem with that is they weren't able to keep him. They had to trade him for pennies on the dollar. I think it was his wife was working in New York, and so he wanted to play in New York. He was a college free agent. That might be Truba. That might be Truba. Oh, was that was that Truba? Yeah, I think it was Truba. But okay. regardless, he wanted to be in New York. The, I don't know exactly the reason. It might have been the wife thing. It might not yeah. have been. But 
end of the day, he wanted to play in New York. He didn't want to play in Carolina or Calgary. So even though Carolina acquired him, they had to flip him for pennies on the dollar. So it really wasn't that big of a win. Plus then as well, like Dougie Hamilton, they let walk for nothing. Yeah. So at the time, I thought Carolina won the trade. But now looking back at it, I see a guy in Lindholm who was developed into a really nice two-way center for that team. Like a, a guy who gets Selkie votes every year now. Not yeah. not top three, but he's there in the Selkie conversation at least every year because he's a good defensive forward. Um, and then Hannafin, a good defenseman, steady guy on the back end. So... You know, what do you think of that trade? What did you think at the time, and what do you think now, looking back on it? Yeah, I mean, I hate to agree with you so much. It's not very compelling <laughs> podcasting, but yeah, I, I would agree. At the time, you know, Carolina gets a um, a number one defenseman in, in Dougie Hamilton. Um, Adam Fox, of course, at the time is a prospect, but a highly touted prospect. Yes. Uh, Lindholm looked like a guy. Yeah, I'm skipping Michael Furland, but yeah. no disrespect to, to him. Um, I guess I will say about him. He's a heavy player. Looked like a good bottom six guy at the time. Yep. But, uh, yeah, Lindholm looked like a guy who needed a change of scenery. Um, he was fine. He was fine, but he, he did not look like the guy that he's become um, and had been in Carolina for a few years and, yeah, just, just wasn't taking that step forward. Um, and Noah Hannafin... I think everybody recognized his upside. Um, you know, I, I would say it wasn't a sure thing that he would reach the heights of, of where Dougie Hamilton was at um, in terms of being that number one defenseman. He he has, I think, stepped into that role. He, he you know, I don't know if he's a bona fide number one, um, but regardless, he's been he's been tasked with that role. He he looks like a top two guy in my opinion. But yeah, at the time, I thought here's. Here's a really, really strong return for Carolina, short the back end, and we'll see how these younger guys continue to develop in uh, in, uh, in Calgary. But, you know, as things do, things move around. Those those two pieces are still in Calgary and have become very important pieces in Hannafin and, and Lindholm. Um, neither of, none of those guys, all three of those guys are no longer in, in Carolina. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just based on that, it, it looks like a win for, for the Flames. Uh, it, you know, assuming everybody stayed put, you've got two number one defensemen yeah. in, in that trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, assuming that that Adam Fox's development path would would be the same had he not been in New York. Um, but yeah, at the time, I'd say probably a slight slight win for uh, for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, in terms of the the other trade, the the first and two seconds for for Dougie Hamilton from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 expensive to get number one defenseman in this league. Mm-hmm. The Leafs know that, I'm sure. Um, you know, Brad Living certainly knows that from paying that price. I, I would love if we if we knew who exactly those picks uh, turned into. But yeah. I so off the top of my head, I know that one of them was one of the first rounders in 2015 when Boston had three. Oh, so, right. So That's it was right. one was Zach Sinitian, Okay. Um, which, of course, Zach hasn't turned out to be a full, full-time mm-hmm. NHL player. But uh, great guy, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was one of them. I don't know about the two seconds, yeah, yeah. but just from my quick research, nothing jumped off the page to me. I'd have to take a quick look. Yeah, but, yeah. but regardless, you have a chance to get a number one D to change the, the look and the feel of, of your team by inserting a player of that, that caliber. 
Um, you know, the reasons for Hamilton moving around so much, I, I don't know. I can't speak to. He's still, you know, a great player in New Jersey and um, is, is playing huge or has been playing huge minutes there. Of course, they're not in it anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's notwithstanding the high cost, it's hard to, to say no to a deal like that, especially where you're, you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you believe you can contend, mm-hmm. you're looking for those types of deals where you don't have to give up an active player on your roster. Yes. Um, you know, you want to you want to add. You just want to continue to add, and and so he, Bradshaw Living, felt he was able to there. Clearly, he pulled the trigger, um, and uh, yeah, it's just those guys just don't come available very often. Um, yeah. And I would suspect if if somebody like that becomes available this season, and there's the right circumstances where he may be a fit with with the Leafs, you're gonna have to take a long look at that. I, I don't know, um, you know. I suspect the way trades have kind of gone recently that you might be paying more than a first and two seconds. But yeah, I would think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of factors. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the point is, and why we went through these trades, is that now the Maple Leafs have a general manager who has experience making some blockbuster moves when his back was against the wall. Yeah. And those are two clear-cut examples, both the, the Kachuk trade and the Hamilton trade, where... You know, he didn't have a lot of leverage in the situation, but made out okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of talk has been has has been swirling about Bradtree Living and whether he's an upgrade on Kyle Dubas or a downgrade. I personally think in terms of filling out the roster and, uh, like, finding talent and, you know, doing things like that, it might be a bit of a downgrade. But in terms of pulling off these blockbuster moves, like, we haven't seen Kyle Dubas pull anything like this yet. At the NHL level, so maybe that's yeah. an upgrade. Uh, and, and to be fair to, to Brad as well, as you know, we can we can sit here and speculate as to who's the better general manager and who's done this and who's done that. But we're not looking at we're not comparing apples to apples here. Calgary yeah. Calgary's obviously <clears throat> got you know really good setup. They're in a Canadian market. They've got a great fan base. They make a lot of money. They spend to the cap. All of these things. So I'm by no means putting them into a category of you know, uh, a team in the league that doesn't make any money. We'll yeah. call them the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, no offense, though. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, was no, disrespect. no disrespect. No disrespect. <laughs> as Bruce Cassidy said. That was funny. But, um, but, you know, what is true is they also don't have the resources that MLSC makes available to the Leafs. And so, you know, Brad is coming into to a team and to an organization where he's going to have more resources available to him than he's ever had before, mm-hmm. both in terms of cash, in terms of personnel, and you know whatever else they've got going on behind the scenes there. Um, you know, so so you know, I think where we're really going to have to evaluate is what does Brad do with the resources that he has, and right. you know, similar to similar to Kyle, like he's going into another organization that is also similar they've had a lot of success three Stanley Cups in the last 14 years um, make a lot of money mm-hmm. um, have a very loyal fan base and you know all of these th- all of these great things but they they don't have the the resources that MLSC has I don't know if Fenway Sports Group is going to change that and yeah. pour a lot more money into them but yeah Kyle's Kyle may have you know, I don't. I don't know the op- the uh, the inner workings there in Pittsburgh, but there may be a, a scenario where he 
having the the power that he has now goes directly to ownership and says, "I want this thing." Yeah, and maybe he's not handed a blank check. Right. So, um, you know, both guys are going to be operating under slightly different situations than they previously were. So, I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, how they react and how they how they work in uh, in those scenarios. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, speaking of money, this is something that yeah. uh, uh, we could wrap up the conversation on Brad Tree Living uh, with just some of the the signings that he's made while he's been the general manager of the Flames. So I wanted to talk about some of the good, some of the bad, and then uh, just some of the UFA deals that we haven't seen play out mm-hmm. all the way through. Um, so I'll start with the good. He signed a few RFAs. Uh, Goudreau, Monaghan, Backlund, Lindholm, Hamilton, Hannafin, Brody, and Anderson. All of those players were signed between five and seven years, all for less than $7 million apiece. Mm-hmm. So obviously the range between those players uh, isn't drastic, but there is a range there. So to get them for under $7 million on those mid to longish term deals, I think was a pretty good thing for Tree Living. And he was able to convince those players to stay for at least that period of time. Uh, in terms of RFAs, though, I have two bad signings that I wanted to bring up. Matthew Kachuk, three-time seven bridge. To get him at that $7 million uh, price tag, he had to shave off a couple years. So that's why he did the three-year deal. And uh, we saw that after those three years, Kachuk said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so why don't you trade me? And then yeah. his hand was forced. So I didn't love the three years on that. And same with Andrew Mangiapane, uh, three times 5.8. So same kind of thing. After those three years are up, maybe Mangiapane says, hey, I'm out of here. I can go get $10 million somewhere else or whatever it is. I don't yeah. know what the cap's going to be like. And I don't know how many years he has left. He might have one or two left on that deal. Right. So, um, But those were the two that I pointed to. Uh, as kind of bad deals for RFAs. Any, any thoughts on those, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, you know, with the hindsight that we have, of course, you would have liked to have seen Matthew Kachuk locked up for longer. And, and you know, I think there's a, a somewhat comparable situation here that, that the Leafs are going to be dealing with, which is, you know, which I'm sure we'll get into yes. more. But I'll, I'll speak of Austin Matthews, who signs for five years, and you've walked him right into to his UFA year. Um, and now you see the power he holds. And, and Kachuk, while not necessarily walking into a UFA situation like Matthews is, still you see the cards that he played and, and the power that he believed he possessed and ultimately did because he forced a trade out of there. Um, so, yeah, that, that came back to, to bite them a little bit. Um, you know, of course, you don't know what the alternative was if he said, OK, I'll do eight years, but you got to give me X. Right. Um, you know, so so it'd be it'd be nice if we if we had that information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. Like that that term is just it, it obviously didn't work out, um, and that that kind of plays into the other guys in the the good category that you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys all between five and seven years, which is you know you're getting good term at uh, at at less than seven million dollar AAVs, which is generally good value of course depending on depending on the guys but those yeah. are all you know the names you've listed out whether it's Goudreau or Monaghan or Backlund or Hamilton Hannafin so on and so forth those are all guys who are core pieces yeah and have, have been guys at certain periods of time different periods of time that you've been able to build around so you want to yeah you want to ultimately you want to build a program where you convince people that they they should stick around that they should stay and uh, going into this offseason with the Leafs, even though the situation is a little bit different and these guys 
being upcoming UFAs hold a lot more power. Um, and Matthews and Nylander in particular. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. You want to make sure that these are guys who want to be here for the long term. You know, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where, you know, you sign Matthews to a three-year deal at X amount of money, and now you're just walking him into an even bigger contract next time, and you got to do this all over again. Like, yeah. There's, there's, there's <laughs> benefits to, to staying shorter and to doing, you know, talking about guys who are coming off an ELC, doing a bridge deal. Yeah. Um, you know, but when you have a sure thing, when you have a sure thing, which, of course, Austin Matthews says, you want that certainty. And, uh, you know, you certainly want the certainty if the cap is going up a lot where you know what he's going to be locked into. You can plan your future. Um, and you're not dealing with a situation where in five years he's coming to you asking for $18 million a year, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this season the cap is projected to go up by only a million bucks. Yeah. Gary said that the other day. Um, next summer... People are expecting a pretty big number, yeah. around five million bucks, and then the season after that, another five million. That's the projection right now on Cap Friendly as of about a week ago when I mm-hmm. checked. So, if that were to happen, I would expect Matthews would want to sign a shorter deal so yeah. he can cash in. But we're going to get into that when we talk about uh, some of the biggest questions facing Brad Tree Living yeah. here. Um, just going through some of his uh, signings, and, and this will wrap up our conversation on True Living's history. Um, Here are some UFA deals that he signed. I've ranked them uh, one through nine in terms of uh, total AAV. Um, So I want to go through them, and I want you to just give me a letter grade on each signing. And this dates back to uh, 2015. Sure. Okay. Jonathan Huberto, eight times ten and a half in 2022. I'm going to go with a B. Um, you know, of course, we're a year into uh, to Huberto's stint, uh, zero years into this contract, but he had never played in Calgary before. Um, you know, and then you, yeah, you committed to him a year in advance of when you needed to commit to him without having seen any of that uh, that history there. Season wasn't very good, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to go lower than a B because I, I do think he'll rebound. Fair enough. Paying him until he's 38, I believe. It's a long time. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see what happens there. You know, like a lot gets made of the the John Tavares contract. Yeah. He's up when he's 34, I believe, 35 Two years maybe. from now, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, again, it's not extremely comparable, but it's it's uh, it's worth mentioning yeah. in, in a Toronto podcast here. So, number two, Mackenzie Weger, eight times 6.25 in 2022. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with a B plus. Um, you know, I think it's heavy on term for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my one knock, but it's, you know, it's a, it's at a, a solid cap number, 6.25 for a guy who's, um, you know, really good player, and and hopefully he's a really good player for a long time. But yeah, similar similar to uh, to what I said on Huberto, you, you're committing a lot to a guy that's not necessarily proven in your market and for a very eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I think I think that one has a, has the potential to look pretty good down the road, so long as um, Weger continues to uh, to you know to play as well as he has in the past, especially in Florida and. 
Um, you know, if you have a guy making six point two five on your top pairing, yeah, that's you know that's pretty nice. A lot of those guys go for much higher, so yes. I, I can't knock that one too much. But yeah, for me, it's it's just the term, so I'm going to go B plus. Yeah, I'm the same. I like the number, not so much the term. Probably yeah. had to give the term to get them at that number. So yeah. it's you know you've got to give and take here with these kinds of deals. Yeah, uh, we'll rapid fire a bit here. Nazem Kadri seven times seven again in 2022. This one hurts a little because I do love uh, I do love Kadri, but I'm going to go C plus, and I'm really? just going to say, okay. yeah, you know what he like I, I understand it partly um, in the sense that he gives you a lot more depth that he is a UFA and held a lot of the cards, but you know you gave a lot of term and a lot of money to a guy who's coming off a career season, yeah, and you know it's this is not a guy. Like it's not a career season in the sense he had 115 points like Jonathan Hebert. No, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a career season for a guy who's otherwise been a 30 goal, 50 to 60 point guy. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, apologies if he's crept over that number a little bit. Um, you know, and he's again he's a year into it. He was fine this year. He was okay, but six year, you know, five years from now, is he going to be a seven million dollar player? I'm I'm just not I'm just not convinced of that. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that's one where, you know, if, if there's anything on this board where I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, who's a guy who, you know, in year five of his contract, maybe year six is, is a bio candidate? That may be one. But, you know, I'll, I'll cut Brad some slack, Brad for living some slack in the sense that sometimes, you know, your feet get held to the fire a little bit when, yeah. when it comes to UFAs. But the key is, you know, to, to, to not let that happen to you right um so yeah yeah the the argument is always made too if gm x didn't make this deal mm-hmm. gm y would have made the same deal and maybe even paid more yeah. so it's hard to uh look at some of these deals in hindsight and yeah. say oh that was bad because you know at the time some teams may have wanted to pay this player more so it, yeah. it's hard to to judge in that sense. But yeah. seven times seven, I mean, coming off of a career year, playing for the best team in the league, who won the Stanley yeah. Cup, you know, it's it's, it's kind of tough. <sighs> there was just so many highs. Like, credit yeah. to Kadri, he's a great player, but there's so many highs where it's hard to envision those being repeated. And I ultimately, agree. when you're given $7 million in seven years, you're paying for the highs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Jacob Markstrom, six times six in 2020. Well, you're the goalie guy, so I almost want to fire it back to you, but I, I'll, go, I'll sure. go with a B. I'll go with a B. It's it's a hefty contract right now. It doesn't look like the best contract, but this is a guy who was coming off a fantastic season in Vancouver, played really, really well last year, was in the, the Vesna conversation for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. This year, not very good. Um, you know, And now you're faced with four years left on that contract, but I, I also think he can rebound. I think the team in front of him wasn't very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I won't put all of the blame on him, but I think six million for for a um, you know a, a number one goalie is not unreasonable. Um, it's a lot better than ten million or whatever Rossi's making yeah. out of Florida, notwithstanding his performance in these playoffs. So yeah. I don't think this is a, a perilous contract by by any means. Um, you just hope that he. Uh, turns things around next season and he's shown he can do that yeah I mean when he's on his game he's one of the best in yeah. the league really but when he's not he's borderline unplayable yeah. sometimes so yeah. I mean that's goalies though that's goaltending yeah. in a nutshell right there yeah um, I, I would give it like a C plus only yeah. because I don't love giving goaltenders 
numbers. Like, I don't like giving... Like, there are maybe five goalies in the league who I would feel confident with paying more than $5 million a year. Maybe 10. Maybe 10 total goalies. But, like, the list is pretty slim. Like, once you get past your, you know, Vasilevsky, Saro, Sorokin, Halibut, like, even then, like, it starts getting pretty short after that. I mean, like, in a perfect world, if you're speaking, you know... To somebody who's running a team, then yeah, in a perfect world, no goalie would make over five million dollars a year. Yeah. But you know, this is a guy who was seemingly proven. Yeah, has had great seasons in the past. He's big. He's mobile. He's athletic. He does all the the things that you wouldn't want to pay for. Yeah, you know. So I guess it's like, would you? You know, would you still be saying that if we're coming off a season where where Markstrom is? Fourth or third in Vesna voting, right? Um, you know, and and saying, yeah, you know what, like because he makes two million dollars more than I want, then I'd rather yeah. take, um, you know, I don't know who's a guy who makes four million dollars or three million dollars out there. Uh, like, would you rather we can we can maybe get into it a, a little bit later, but yeah, you know, would you rather have Marshall or Samsonov in your net? Forget about the contract. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year, right? Well, this year. I'd definitely rather have Samson on. But if at the start of the year you asked me that question, Markstrom for for six over Sammy for two. Yeah. That, like, no brainer. Yeah. And I I get your point. I get what you're saying. I just think that, you know, goaltending is so. There's so many variables in goaltending, and the sample size is so small. And I feel like teams. And even analytics guys yeah. have a hard time measuring goaltending yeah. because it's hard. It's you know yeah. there's less data out there, and you're totally at the will of the players who are shooting on you. Yeah. So it's hard to measure. So that's why I just it's, I'm scared of paying goalies yeah. anything. To be honest, oh, I can't. I, yeah, I mean I can't blame you. I yeah. can't blame you. You know even the guy who's Bobrovsky, we said he's been playing great these playoffs, but. It's a guy who's got two Veznes and going on this run now, and he's been one of the best goalies in the world on and off for the last number of years. But yeah, there's yeah. nights where he's sitting on the bench and he's got a baseball hat on, right? Like it's, yeah. it's 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 a hard position to predict, and there's so many variables that go into it. So I I get your your trepidation, yeah. but yeah, I'll make, I'll make the argument that that contract's not as uh, not as bad as you may think. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Rapid fire yeah. here, five through nine, because I want to get to some yeah, yeah, least yeah. focused stuff here. Uh, so just give me, just give me a grade, sure. no explanation. James Neal, five times five point seven five in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's a tough. Didn't one. work out. I'll give that an F. Okay, <laughs> an F, really? Okay. Yeah, that just didn't work out. The guy was in the minors. Yeah, start to finish, it yeah. wasn't very good. Even yeah. when it was signed, we were like, yeah. uh, "What's going on there?" Yeah. Blake Coleman, six times four point nine in twenty twenty one. Um, I feel like I have a bit of a crutch here, but I'm also going to go with the B there. Don't love the term, but good player. Yeah. Good dev player. Agreed. Chris Tanev, four times four and a half in 2020. I like Chris Tanev a lot. Uh, obviously hurt a little bit this year. I'm going to go with an A. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would agree in that A range. He's, yeah. been, he's been pretty good. He's a solid, reliable defenseman, and yeah. that's what you need yeah. on good teams. Uh, a couple here, um, and, and we're going back. Uh, a few years. I was going to say, I don't yeah. even remember how these played out. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, these these two players were signed while Brad True Living was the general manager, and these were two of the biggest deals uh, he signed. Uh, two, two of the earliest biggest deals, I'll say that. So Troy Brower, four times four and a half 
in 2016, and Michael Froelich, five times 4.3 in 2015. Yeah, I mean, you're testing my memory on those, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to give a grade. I, I don't think the Froelich one worked out, if I remember correctly, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, just based on the names, I, I suspect those weren't the best contracts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay. So now we finally get to talk about um, some of the craziness that's been happening in Toronto and some of the decisions yeah. that True Living will have to make in the next, I mean, five weeks. You'll have to have some sort of decision. Less than that, actually. Yeah. We're looking at three weeks until July 1st, roughly. So. Um, of course, July 1st is the date that Austin Matthews' no-move clause kicks in. I think Nylander has a 10-team modified no-trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple things there, as well as uh, Mitch Marner. His no-trade kicks in yeah. on the 1st, as well as free agency. We have the draft coming yeah, up soon. So time. these next three to four weeks are going to be crazy for Bradshaw Living. Um, so I guess before we get into the, into the specifics, what do you think is priority number one? For Brad Trilly. 34. 34. 34. That's that's priority number one. He's the face of your team. He's your heart trophy winner. Um, you know, so yeah, nothing gets done until you lock him up. Yeah, fair enough. I feel the same way. I've heard people say Sheldon Keefe maybe should be priority number one. No, the star takes precedence over the coach. Yeah, okay. The star always outlives the coach. Well, yeah. when it's a time of such. Uh, Uncertainty with yeah. one of the best players in the world. I agree. I think that's who you focus yeah. on. It's a bit of a tough situation for Sheldon Keefe because yeah. he's just sitting there idly yeah. and, and not really sure what his future holds. Also, that means he can't interview for other teams who yeah. have head coaching vacancies. So if he ultimately does get canned, that's going to be tough yeah. for him because he'll be out of a job, presumably, yeah. uh, for at least this season. Um but sticking on Sheldon Keefe, because this will be a quick mm-hmm. one, what do you think happens with him? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're at a, a bit of a, a weird time where, you know, you're not going to see too many more coaching changes. A lot of guys have, have, you know, a lot of teams have already made that move. Of course, you saw Nashville do it kind of late, so nothing's impossible, but I don't suspect you're going to see the least announce, I guess, wait for maybe after the podcast. They yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't suspect you're going to see the Leafs announce before the draft that they're making a coaching change, in which case then you're, you know, you're getting into July, you're getting into August where, you know, teams are going to have their coaches in place to the extent they don't already have them. And, you know, teams are going to be more inclined to just wait till the, till the season starts to, to make that move. So I, my, my, Feeling my gut feeling is you probably see Sheldon start the season with the Leafs, see how it plays out. Um, you know, he of course is is also lame duck this year, so he's he's going to be fighting for a contract himself. Um, if the team stumbles out of the gate, then I think there's not really any hesitation on Sherlock's part to uh, to make that move. Right. Um, you know, especially given the the lack of history. Um, but yeah, I think you're you're kind of he's kind of in a weird spot, and it's not like he's coming in as the GM and and taking over a team that has played poorly. Like he's coming in and taking over a team that has been really really good in the regular season and seems to like the coach. And so there's all these reasons for for him to keep him around. The only one that you know would be going, or I guess two that would be going against it, is a a b the way the playoffs played out, yeah, and b simply just because he's not his guy. Um, you know, so I think he'll take a look around and undoubtedly Tre Living and Shanahan as well have been thinking, is there somebody better that's out there? If there is, then 
make the move soon. If not, then yeah, I think you're going to see Keith behind the bench. But one other thing I'll add too is is you know I, I see a lot of talk out there of of either you you know you fire Keith now and let him go and interview somewhere else, um, you know, or you just have him wait till the start of the season. And as I've expressed, I think he will start the season as the coach of this team. But mm-hmm. kind of going back to our earlier discussion about. Dubas and Shanahan and the way that played out. Sometimes sports is ruthless and sometimes, you know, it may be unfair that, you know, a guy's fired at a particular time and now he doesn't get to interview for other jobs. Like, that would suck and that's not the way that I would want to treat my employees. But sometimes it happens. And if you get to August 15th and, you know, for whatever reason you decide I need a different coach in place... Sometimes you just got to suck on it, right? So, yeah. so it's possible that it's something that happens pr- prior to that as well. Um, but yeah, as I've said a few times now, my gut feeling says he uh, as he comes back. What do you think? Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I yeah. think like originally when we found out Kyle wasn't coming back yeah. and Tree Living was taking over, I thought it was a foregone conclusion that Sheldon Keefe was out the door mm-hmm. and someone else was coming in, and then the coaching carousel kind of turned its gears a bit. Guys were getting hired left, right, and center, and Sheldon Keefe was kind of just sitting there waiting yep. to hear uh, the news. But he never got that news. It seems like Tree Living is, you know, going to look around. But it also seems like he doesn't really have a problem with Sheldon Keefe as of right now. So then, my question is: yeah. if, if Sheldon Keefe starts the year as Maple Leafs head coach, then what do they change this offseason? Because we know from I believe it was Chris Johnston who broke it. Um, And I say broke it. It's a bit of a rumor Mm -hmm. that came out that uh, Shanahan went to his guys, his core four guys, and said, our intention is to keep you on this team into next year and and not blow it up, basically. So, yes, the general manager changed, but that was something kind of unexpected. I think Shanahan and MLSE anticipated Kyle coming back, and then obviously there was a falling out. Um, but if they bring the coach back and the top four forwards and Morgan Riley, your top defense, and then fill out around it, yeah. is that acceptable? Like, how do you yeah. how do you justify doing that if the only change is the general manager? And the elephant in the room here, something that we haven't even mentioned, is people are talking about how much autonomy Kyle Dubas even had as a general manager mm-hmm. in Toronto. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, and I don't want to speculate, but some have been saying that Brennan Shanahan kind of calls a lot of the shots anyways. So then what's the difference if the only change going into next year is a new GM? Well, I think you've said it perfectly. Like, yeah, if you keep the same coach around and you keep the same core around and, you know, that's what you ride with, then, yeah, nothing's really changed. Um, and you see that even just in the way the playoffs played out. Look how many trades Dubas made at the deadline. I don't even know the number, but they brought in so many different players. Yeah. O'Reilly, Shen, Achari, um, Lafferty, McCabe. I can go down the list. Yeah. But you, know, you kind of look at how things played out, and nothing seems to have really changed that much because your team is driven by your core players. Mm-hmm. And so if you bring the core back, then nothing's changed. And if you bring the coach back, then nothing's really changed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if, if ultimately uh, Trilliving makes a move on the coach, it's, you know, partly, I think part of that could tie into the fact that maybe the core does come back and, and 
you know, you feel like you have to do something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're also correct to point out the autonomy thing. And I, I don't know the extent of what was being asked or how Kyle felt. But the truth is, is that the way the team is structured right now, they have ownership who has a president who has a general manager. So yeah. whether or not Kyle liked it and whether or not Trilliving likes it, they answer to the president. Yeah. And the president has not changed. So, you know, I would suspect that a lot of the decisions will will be similar, but it's, you know, they they, they work in tandem. Like regardless yeah. of what people think, it's not like you know, Shanahan would call Dubas in the morning and say you have to call this guy, this guy, and this guy, and you have to trade for, you know, playing him as a puppet, but right. You know, Davis was the GM of this team. He was ultimately responsible for making those moves. And as is the case with every workplace, you have to go to your boss sometimes and say, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And so True Living will ultimately have to do that as well. Um, but yeah, you correctly point out that there's, yeah, maybe maybe nothing in effect really changes. Uh, I just that's think that's, yeah. that's tough to justify to the fan base, don't you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, one of the best points I heard on this, though, is it's it's tough to justify the, the fan base, but it's really easy to justify the ownership because you can go to ownership as as Brendan Shanahan. You can go to the board of MLSC and say, here's a team that, you know, notwithstanding the lack of a Stanley Cup run has had a great like year after year great regular season yeah we have marketable stars mm-hmm. the kids like matthew and marner matthews and marner and nylander and all of these guys we sell out every single game we know we're going to get at least one round of playoff revenue yeah versus you know or taking that approach which is really easy to sign off on as an owner because you're going to make a lot of money yeah versus you know we're going to trade core piece x and we risk you know, we, like it could have easily happened in Florida. They traded court piece. They had a poor regular season for most of it. Yeah. And they were in danger of missing the playoffs. Really strong danger of missing the playoffs. And they were a President's Trophy winning team last year. Yeah. So, you know, the point is Shanahan could go to the board and say, we're going to trade this player. And we don't know how it's going to work out. We think it'll work out well. We yeah. think if it works out well, there's a chance things could be different. But there's also a chance we're much worse. And, and so you're looking at something that's really uncertain mm-hmm. and could result in, you know, the team taking a step back versus something that, you know, while every sports, every season of sports is still somewhat uncertain and there's no guarantee you make the playoffs, at least you have a history there to point to and be like, they're, they're going to get it done in the regular season and we're going to make a lot of money. So point yeah. being is, yeah, in terms of bringing everything back, I agree. I think it's hard to justify to the fan base when this has happened year over year. Yeah. And it would be frustrating, undoubtedly. But to the guys that are running the team, it actually might be a pretty easy sell. Yeah, I hear you. I yeah. haven't heard it put that way before, but that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Tannenbaum and and Ballin Rogers, uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring in yeah. the same amount of revenue as last year. We're yep. going to play one to two playoff rounds yep. with this team who's guaranteed to get at least that far. Yeah. Um, and and you're going to make a ton of money just like last year and the year before and the year before, as opposed to, hey, we're going to kind of change a lot of things up yeah. here and we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, and all those, you know, if it was, uh, obviously people like to throw around Marner, but it's like, if you trade Marner, it's like, all those 16 jerseys that you saw, those are gone. Yeah. That 100 points that he's going to put up, that's gone. Yeah. And, you know, then all of a sudden it's like we go from 
put up a 112-point season as a team to maybe we're, maybe we're 94 points. Maybe we're kind of squeaking in down there with the wild-card teams. And maybe you don't make the, the four to you know, eight games worth of playoff revenue that you've been making yeah. in, in years past. So, you know, there's a lot of, there would be a lot of uncertainty if I was an owner that would keep me up at night. But as yeah. again, we're, we're going <laughs> to, you know, you seem to want to focus on the fans here. So we'll yeah, focus yeah. on the fans. And I agree, it'd be quite frustrating and quite, you know, yeah, it'd be frustrating to see, to see the same story all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of have to sit here and wait for, April to run around and roll around to see if the same story plays out. So yeah, yeah, it almost makes the regular season feel kind of meaningless yeah. if, if they bring back the same coach and the yeah. same guys, and then we just wait till the playoffs and do it all over again. Yeah, well, it had a bit of that feel this year, where yeah. you know, obviously Matthews had his big year last year, and so this year is like, well, you know, he's already done that, and you're kind of hoping maybe Marner gets. It's the hundred point mark, which he ultimately did in ninety nine. Ninety nine. But like, yeah, most of the regular season, they were just kind of rolling along, doing their thing, which is great. But yeah. you know, felt like we were just kind of waiting for mid April to roll around and see what happens. And for two weeks, it looked like things were really different, and then here we are. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, I, I, I. But at the same time, all of this said, you also don't want to make a change for the sake of making a change. It's got to make sense. Agreed. Um, you know, I like the way you worded it earlier where Shanahan allegedly went to the, the four guys and said our intention is to keep you right. here for that great know, word, period intention. of time. Yeah, great <laughs> word. Great word, intention. Because, you know, I'd seen the rumors thrown around that people talking that Shanahan made this promise or seemingly made this promise yeah. that you're going to stay. We're not going to trade you. And, you know, brings back memories of Masai Ujiri allegedly, allegedly promising DeMar DeRozan that we're not going to trade you. And then all of a sudden, the, yeah. the big the big fish becomes available, Kawhi Leonard, and one guy's out the door and the other guy's in, which proves the point of nothing's for certain. Yeah. You don't know what's out there. And so, you know, you can't, you just can't in good faith make that promise. So, yeah, yeah. if the intention is to keep them here, then, yeah, my intention is always to keep good players. Yeah. That that doesn't mean anything. I would love to. I would love. My intention would be for Marner and Matthews and Nylander to win three Stanley Cups and and, and retire Leafs and have yep. statues outside the building. But if yep. if if somebody comes to you with a, a deal in their back pocket saying, you know, here's a chance for you to, you know, both have a good player and to fundamentally change the composition of your core, then. Yeah, it's hard. You have to entertain it for sure. You have to. You have to. Like when it's when this team is, you know, we're not talking about a team like that. Just you know, they fallen short a little bit, or they're, you know, they lose in the conference final, or they go to the cup and they just, you know, they just don't have that final series. We're talking about a team that has won nothing. They haven't won one it. round. They won they, <laughs> this year. They got two extra wins than they've gotten previous year. Yeah, and you so. know what? That first round against Tampa this year, I know they won. Yeah, they shouldn't have won. Yeah, well, they Brad, weren't the better team in the series. Brad Shirley said that himself. He said they were better last year. I in totally the agree. Tampa. Yeah, so do I. So do I. So, um, but you know, as I yeah, as I mentioned before, it seems to be the case that you win. With your core, and they didn't change the core this year, and the result was largely the same, notwithstanding all the peripheral moves that they made, which I was a big fan of. I thought yeah. they were great. I would love to see more of that, but um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, speaking yeah. of keeping good yeah. players, and, and that's what I want to talk about yeah. here. 
the two elephants in the room. Mm. Obviously, one is bigger than the other, but Austin Matthews yeah. and William Nylander. So, what is your gut telling you about these two players? Obviously, they're both eligible to sign on July 1st. Mm-hmm. What's your gut telling you about these two players? Are they going to sign? If so, is it going to be on July 1st? Is it going to get pushed all the way until the final buzzer, like the first Nylander contract? Like, what, like what's your gut telling you? And yeah. for how much, by the way? Yeah, I, I, I'll start with Matthews because okay. he's the, obviously the bigger fish. My gut says, yes, he will sign because I think MLSC will do anything they they can do and reasonably can do as they should to keep him around. Um, you know, I think the situation is slightly different than maybe it was projected to be earlier in the year where I thought this guy coming off a 60-goal season is probably coming in guns blazing, asking for $15 million a year, and he's going to be the highest-paid player in league history. There will be pressure from the NHLPA to to keep pushing the ceiling higher and to you know attain a contract that is likely the highest in the league but you know this is a guy who he scored 60 goals once yes you can never take that away from him it's an unbelievable milestone he won a heart he won the rocket he's got all the accolades but this is also a guy who's he's as i said he's done it once Mm -hmm. more often than not he's a 40 to you know 45 goal scorer yep We'll, we'll give him 50. Let's say 50, 40 to 50 sure. goal score. And to average that is insane. But to average it is, like, insane. I'm not taking anything away from him. Right. But, you know. We're being realistic is, We're being realistic. Is a 45 goal score, as consistent as he may be, you know, is he $3 million more valuable than McDavid? No. Is he $2 million more valuable than McDavid? And I'll say McKinnon? No. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I think you're probably looking at a scenario, or I would be pushing for a scenario as the team, where you know, I think you have to kind of be resigned to the fact that this guy is going to want to be the highest paid player in the league. You can yeah. try to keep him under that, but I think ultimately that's where this will go. Yeah, I think that's where it starts, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can try and you can point to comparables and say, no, you're a, you know. You're a 11.5 or you're a $12 million player. You're not going to get anywhere with that, but you yeah. can try. So you're ultimately probably end up in, a, in an area where he's the highest paid player in the league. But, you know, maybe it's a scenario like, like what McKinnon did where he says, you know what? I'm going to be the highest paid player in the league. The PA wants that. My agent wants that. I want that. But, you know, I, I'm not... A million dollars more valuable than McDavid, so give me a hundred grand more. Right, and and so you know he gets the twelve six, and so now this you know could Matthews say twelve seven? Yeah, it's possible. Could he do? Could well, because now McKinnon makes twelve six, right? Yeah. So if you want to do the same thing yeah. that McKinnon did to yeah. David, then you would go twelve seven if you're Matthews. Yeah, my, my suspicion is he probably ends up around thirteen. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. You know. Yeah, that's a big number. I yeah. certainly <laughs> don't love lot. that coming out of my that's mouth when I hear that. <laughs> but I think that's probably where he ends up, and I think that's probably fair. So then you got to think about, okay, what's our term here? Because I don't want to be in a situation, as again, as we discussed earlier, where we say, here's 13 times 3. Yep. And, you know, obviously he's a big goal scorer. I suspect he'll score 50 goals again sometime in the next three years. And then in three years he comes up and he's 28, still in his prime, and says, well, now the cap is... Ninety-five million dollars, and yeah. so now I need eighteen million dollars, as opposed to lock him in for, let's say, six years, <coughs> and you know 
the cap goes up and he's at 13 and 13's maybe not as scary of a number anymore and you've got some room to, to build around him. Mm-hmm. Like this team was so hurt by the fact that the cap just didn't go up. Yes. And that's out of their control. It's it, COVID happened and whatever happened that, that you know, didn't allow for those those same increases or those projected increases. Um, but yeah, you need to you need to get to a point where you know that 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 number just doesn't hurt as much anymore. So I think, long story short, I think he signs. I think he wants to be here. The team wants him here. They'll do whatever they possibly can to keep him here. But he's not going to sign for. They're not going to give him fifteen million dollars. You know, I suspect they won't give him fourteen million either. So that's why I'm kind of arriving at, at thirteen and. If he comes in and says, I want 15 and I'm not budging, then you're looking at a difficult conversation. I don't think the Leafs want to give him a cent more than $13 million yeah. per year. And I don't think Matthews wants a year more than four years. And I think that's going to be the sticking point. Yeah. That's going to be tough if you're the Leafs to get a number that works on a four-year deal. Yeah. Because for Matthews, you know, like, and, and we've talked about this, if the cap is going up, over the next three years, about $11 million, mm-hmm. roughly. Like, those are the projections. And we'll see when this whole escrow thing gets figured out and, yeah. and, and whatever happens there. But say it does go up $11 million, you know, Austin doesn't want to be on a bargain contract. He's a guy no, of who's not. Of willing to not. bet on himself, right? Yeah. So he doesn't... And, and that's why I think even four years feels like a bit of a stretch. If things go to plan, like, I, if I'm Matthews, I'm looking at a three-year deal that's comfortable... You know, that gets you into that range of, of when the cap has gone up. You're still the highest paid player in the mm-hmm. league. You're still sticking around in Toronto, but then you're even younger when you're re-signing again. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that's just how I see it. And I, I have a mock deal here on the board, 12.7, making him the highest paid player in the league by 100K for three years. Would you vomit if that was the deal? No, like I, I wouldn't love the three years. I don't love the three years. I want him here for longer. Yeah, eight ideally. Yeah, eight ideally. He's the face of your team. You know, to say what I vomit. Like, no, like <laughs> it's not. You know, it's not that bad. Um, yeah, for me, it's just the term. But I, I think you're right. Like, I think ultimately this negotiation negotiation is going to come down to term and. There's different things that the Leafs can throw and try that are that they can use to their advantage. Like they are they are one of the few teams in the league that can that, that can transfer a lot of the guys' base salary to July first signing bonuses and yep. have the cash flow to do that. You can't do that if you're going to you know Florida or Arizona, Arizona or yeah. teams that don't have that cash flow. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe there's a situation, and and also you still get those those payments if there's a walkout, if there's you know something that happens yep. with the CBA. So maybe <laughs> maybe you're convincing them like, hey, you know what? I don't know when the CBA expires, admittedly, but let's say it's five years from yeah. now, 2027. Maybe you're convincing them like, hey, you know what? Do you really want to be walking into free agency right before a CBA expires? Whereas here, you know what? We can give you six years with certainty that you're going to get paid and you're going to get paid all at once, which is really nice. You can stuff yeah. it in the bank and then you just don't have to worry. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe, you know, there's, there's things like that that could, could come up, but yeah, if it's, if it's three years, then he's got a lot of leverage. He has a lot of leverage and you may just have to live with it, unfortunately. But uh, then I guess that plays into the next guy as long as you're done talking about Austin. Yeah. Well, final point yeah. on Matthews, final question I wanted to ask is, what is the point that it gets to 
where if you're Brad True Living, you have to make a decision to trade the player. If you think he's not going to sign, yeah. like, but like, what is the ceiling of in terms of AV or term where you're just like, we can't get this done and we have to recoup assets? Is that the goal for True Living, or do you risk it and let him walk? Yeah, I think. Like part of it will be a bit of a lawyer answer, but it's like you know I think it's at the point where you just reasonably, you, you, you yeah like you reasonably believe that you cannot build a team, you know of the caliber you desire around that contract. Right. So if it's you know at an AAV that is just so extraordinarily high that you're not going to have any money to spend on peripheral players. And let's call that 15 million yeah. because if the cap is 81 and a half or 82 or whatever it is, like 15, is going to hurt. That's a lot. It's going to hurt. That's, you know, on top of what he's already making plus, yeah. you know, $4 million. That's like 20 plus percent. So, you know, yeah, you can only go up to 20%, I guess, of, oh, so of then, the cap. So it'd be around 20, 20% or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you get to a situation like that where you look at this contract and you say, you know, like, sure, like the ownership would write a blank check, but then I'm not going to have any money to spend on a goalie or I'm going to have to trade, you know, a top defenseman or I'm going to have to move on from, you know, all the guys on my third line or whatever it is, then yeah, I think that's a point where you say we have to look at other options. AAV, I guess, is a little bit less concerning to just kind of make it work. But same thing, if you get the sense of, like, this guy just doesn't want to be here long term, he's not committed to this city, and we'll, you know, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, you know, that's something to look at as well. Um, You know, three years is kind of around that sweet spot where I I think it could go either way. If If he says, I want to be here for two years at... 15 then you know I might yeah. be sitting back saying okay this guy's not committed yeah um, and you might look at other <laughs> options but um, yeah I'd say those are those are kind of the two things he, he's just such a anomaly um, you know the, the caliber of player he is where you know you kind of just have to make it work to the best you can and um, you're not you know you, I, I don't think they're going to drive like as hard of a um, you know I don't think they're going to bargain as or with as as hard of a cap as they may with, um, you know, guys who are lower down in your lineup is what I'll say. Like a, a William Nylander, even who is a superstar, yeah. but is clearly not in the same tier of superstar that Matthews is. So I think the ceiling on on Nylander in terms of negotiations, mm-hmm. I think, would be pretty clear. Yeah. Um, to to Brad True Living, whether that's ten million, whether yeah. that's less than three years, whatever it be, but. Yep. Um, Okay, so that's Matthews, yeah. and for the record, you said you're okay with a $14.9 million deal, <laughs> uh, as long as it's under 15 that's what you said, and we'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to radio me. Yeah, uh, so Nylander now, and, and we'll talk about him relatively briefly, uh, because again, he is in kind yeah, of that yeah. second tier, and there's just been less chatter about yeah. Nylander. I don't really know, <clears throat> like obviously, he's just been overshadowed by everything going on in Toronto, but there's been significantly less chatter about the Nylander situation, even though it is essentially the exact same situation as Matthews. He is available, or he is able, rather, to sign a deal on the same day that Matthews can, and he's going to get a pay increase. So, I have a deal on the board for William Nylander, a five-year deal at $9.5 million AAV. 
would you be okay with something like that? Or where do you value Nylander in terms of how much money he makes on an annual basis? Yeah, this is a weird one because face value, take the Leafs out of this. And you just, even take Nylander out of this, you just present me with, this is a 40-goal scorer, mm-hmm. or a guy who scored 40 goals, we'll call him, because yeah. it's only done it once. Yeah. A guy who's coming off of 40 goals, he's relatively young, um, you know, had a pretty good playoffs, all of these things. And you say you can have him at 5 times 9.5, there's a strong chance that I would say, yeah, you know what, I like that. And <laughs> I think there's a lot of other teams that would say I like that too. Always preferable if you could get him at a slightly lower AAV. Yeah. But, yeah, he, that type of guy is probably going for minimum eight and a half these yeah. days. But the complication, of course, is, you know, it being the Leafs, it being Nylander, where does it fit in? Because, as you've said, he's overshadowed. He's second fiddle in terms of stardom, in terms of goal scoring on this team. Yeah. And he's just going to have to eat whatever Matthews doesn't kill, essentially. Like, if, if, if Matthews, again, will use the $15 million yeah. number, which I don't think is going to happen. But if Matthews signs for $15 million, then no, I'm not signing the Atlanta to 9.5 because you can't. Yeah, you're not signing him, period. You're not signing him. Well, yeah, you know, if he wants to stick around at <laughs> $6.5, $7 million, yeah, then, then sure. <laughs> you, know, but, uh, you know, but if you can get Matthews at... At, let's say he signs that twelve seven, you know, million yeah. dollar a year contract, and you know what I think, it would be real hard to walk away from from Neilander at that value, um, you know, because I do ultimately think it's in his wheelhouse of what he's worth. Um, but again, it's you got to kind of take a step back and say, okay, these are two guys who would be signed at doing the quick math in my head, just over twenty two million dollars. Yep. Um, you know, can we afford to put a team around these guys, especially in the season where this coming season we're still going to have Marner signed at nearly eleven. Yep. We're going to have Tavares signed at eleven. You have Morgan Riley signed at seven or whatever. He seven makes. and a half. Yeah. You need to resign Samsonov. Yeah. Um, you know, so the rest got of some holes to fill in the lineup. Like too. all of a sudden, we're at you know, just off the top of my head, we're at nearly $50 million yeah. um, or at $50 million, you know, so there's not much to, to work with. So that's, it's going to be a tough decision. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on would I do it? Yes or no, because it's so tied in, I think to, to what Matthew signs for. I think the contract you presented is, is fair. And I think that's what he's going to look for. And I think if he went to the market, he would get that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, on the premise that he has a good season again this year. Yes, of um, course. But uh, yeah, there's the, and this is why you got to sign Matthews first because you you can't make the decision until everything else is is worked out. Yeah, and I even wonder if that's something like if if you're Brad Tre Living, if that's something that you bring to Matthews in negotiations. If I you, would if you say, hey, like, sure, we could give you fourteen. Yeah, but how about? 12.7 and you get to keep Willie. I would. Do you Absolutely. like playing with Willie? Yeah. I think you do like playing with Willie. He's pretty good on the power play, don't yeah. you think? Like, yeah. yeah, I you know, 100% I would be saying that to him. You'd say, yeah, of course, like you know, you want to win a playoff round. You want to win a Stanley Cup? Yeah. You know, look around at all these, yeah, all these teams in years past who haven't really won with with those types of guys. Yeah. I guess this year might be the first year where somebody's going to win with a, a double digit uh a player with an AAV. Yeah. No, um, nobody over 10 million. 
Yeah. Three players who do make $10 million, yeah. but nobody over. Nobody over. So they're like nobody makes over ten million dollars. Eichel at ten even. Eichel's at ten even. Uh, I thought he was ten five. Bobrovsky okay. is ten even. Yeah, and I think there's one more. No, Stone I think is nine and Barkov. a half. And Barkov. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at yeah. that today. But again, like this is yeah, something yeah, yeah, that yeah. we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast because every time this gets brought up, yeah. it's it's like you know percentage of the cap, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like okay, actually most years someone who makes over ten million dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wins. And also, too, I saw, you know, Alan Walsh, the, the yeah, famous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the agent provocateur is uh, is the podcast that he does. Yeah. But he, he posted on his Instagram story that back in 2002, before the hard cap was introduced, Joe Sackick was making $17 million yeah. a year. Guys were making a lot of money back then. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. 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 So, it was a lot of money. Was yeah. A lot of money then, but... Yeah, anyways, I, I hate to give the boring answer on Nylander, yeah. but it, it, it just depends. It just depends. Yeah, no, I feel it. And I think they are so tied that I understand where you're yeah. coming from because you can't have one without knowing what happens yeah. to the other. So exactly. I get that. Yeah, and I guess the other factor there, just to quickly wrap up on yeah. that point, is, is, you know, also like... Maybe yeah, maybe that's just the guy that you ultimately decide is is the one that needs to go if you want to change the uh, the complexion of your team. So you know maybe maybe you're not even left to uh, to make that decision. Maybe you just decide whether it's well, I wouldn't say you just don't resign him, but you know yeah. if if you decide we're going to move on from somebody, then maybe that's the guy. It's a lot easier to make that decision with a guy like Nylander as yeah. opposed to a guy like Matthews yeah. and. Really, like you can't move John Tavares, no. so it's between Nylander and Marner. Yeah, one of those guys kills penalties, plays both ways, yeah. gets more points. Yeah, the argument I guess would be just you know one of them was better in the playoffs this year. Exactly, which was eighty-eight. Yep. But, um, and yeah, and the year before, and the year before that. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, but yeah, but also one of them's up for the Salkies. So. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know I'm a Nylander guy, so I don't yeah, want to bring yeah, my yeah, bias yeah. into this at all. But yeah. uh, I know who I would trade if I had to pick <laughs> one of the core four, even though there are great reasons yeah, to keep yeah, yeah. all the players uh, on the team. But, okay, a few more things, and then we'll wrap up because sure. this, this is going to be a long one, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah. We are giving the people the Leafs content. Lots to talk, lots to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have a, I have a quick answer coming up for, for our next topic, so we'll get okay. to this one first. Okay, yeah. perfect. So we're going to talk about free agents. Who stays and who goes, and perhaps a contract prediction if you feel comfortable, if you sure. have an idea in mind. So I have a bunch of names here, players who played for the Maple Leafs yeah. this year. We're just going to speed round, roll yeah. through them. You say if they're going to stay or go, and then if you want, give me a contract sure. prediction as well. Sure. Number one, Nolichari. Stays, and I think you want to lock him up for a reasonable term. I'd go three years at uh, $2 million or less. I like that a lot. That's yeah. like locking him into a deal similar to the Yarncroke deal. Yep. A versatile player can play up and down your lineup, plays with pace and physicality. Nolichari was like the perfect deadline ad. And he'll be pretty cheap, so yeah. I really like that. I also think he stays. Great. Um, Zach Aston Reese. Uh, you know what? I thought he did a good job in the role that he was tasked with this year, so I, I think I'd keep him around. I, I, I don't mind him. I'd probably keep him around on a one-year deal, maybe a two-year, um, at a million or less. Yeah, I yeah. also agree with that. I think he was a versatile player um, who can play on that bottom line. Again, another player with pace and physicality. Yeah. But he's probably not going to be in the lineup every single yeah. night. And you want to keep him out of the lineup some nights to make yeah. room for other younger players who are perhaps trying to 
to break in. So I would keep yeah. them around if the number is pretty low. Again, yeah. about one million or less, because yeah. you have to factor that in. Do you want to be paying a player, you know, over a million bucks if they're going to be out of the lineup? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bunting. Yeah. This is an interesting one. The big fish on here. Um, yeah, this is another guy who who I feel differently about than I did at the start of the season. I ultimately, I guess, to not have a cliffhanger here, I ultimately think he's played his way out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and not for you know any particular reason other than just he's put up back to back fifty point seasons. Um, good player. He's going to ask for probably you know five plus million dollars. I don't think he's worth that. I think he's probably better somewhere around four. Yeah. But I think somebody will give him that, and I just don't think that fits into the Leafs caps uh, structure as, as it's designed right now, or as it, it appears to be designed. So I think he's just a guy that, unfortunately, um, you know, barring some sort of change in how I perceive his free agency uh, prospects to look, I, I just don't. I don't think it's going to work out. I agree. It's similar to a Zach Hyman type player. Yeah, exactly. It's similar to an Ilya Mikheyev, yep. where you like the player. He brought a lot. He yep. complemented the core that you had, but he's just kind of played his way out. Yeah, and, and like I, I do think you know, notwithstanding the the you know the trouble he got into at times towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, this is a player I think they need more of. You yeah. know, I think he comes, he plays hard, he plays with an edge, he cares, like he does things the way. You know, I like as as a you know somebody in hockey. Yeah. Um, so I, I wish they had more in their lineup, but yeah, I think as you've said, he's just he, you know he's kind of in the Mikheyev range where you just wish him all the best. You're a good soldier, and we just got to find somebody new. We got to go find the next Michael Bunting, just like how Bunting was. You know the next Zach Hyman. Yeah, like we said off the top of the episode, he will look great in Pittsburgh Penguins black <laughs> and gold. Yeah, and I could see yeah. that for sure. Yeah, with with Bunting, would you entertain a longer term deal? Say, call it eight years at a lower cap hit, similar to a Nick Paul in in uh, Tampa Bay. Would that be something that would interest you if I, you could get him at three and a half? I mean, I would entertain it. I would entertain it. It just. Yeah, eight years is so tough, especially for a guy who he's like, you know, I know he's 27 or 28 years old now, but yeah. like he's played two NHL seasons. It's eight yeah. years is a lot um, to take him to being 35, 36 years old. But anything's possible if, if, it, if it's at an AAV that's really just not going to matter or is, you know, somewhat easy to move. Um, I believe Pittsburgh did something similar with Brandon Tannett when he was there. And, of course, yeah. now he's in Seattle through, you know, and, and they were able to to get him there, however they did. Yeah. Or, or Nick Paul. So, yeah, like I would certainly look at it and take it seriously. It's just... You know, that's not my preference. Right. Yeah. Uh, just brought it up because that's sure. been in, in yeah, the, yeah. the rumor mill. So. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, David Kampf. Stay really, or go? I really like David Kampf. I think he's a good skater. He's, he's a good bottom six player. Does things the right way. So I would do everything I can to keep him. But again, like this is a guy who doesn't score. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't bring any offense. I think he's just, yeah, he's a penalty killer depth guy. So nothing crazy. I would try and go two, maybe, you know, maybe extend it to three years. Something at again two million or less. Yeah, yeah. I think Kampf goes. I think on the open market, someone's going to pay him a lot well, as then, a defensive center. Yeah. I just don't know if the Leafs are going to be able to stomach how much he would cost. As you know, yes, he's a third line center, mm-hmm. but then when they brought in O'Reilly, he turned into a fourth line center yep. pretty quickly. 
Um, and if he costs anywhere north of two and a half million, I just don't know if it's worth it. So I almost see the Leafs walking away from David Kampf and bringing in a third line center, whoever that may be, who actually might make a little bit more money, but be more of a versatile player and can bring some offense as well. That would be my dream for a third line center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's yeah. If somebody wants to pay him, like. You know, no matter what I just said about Conf, and I really like him, I'm really yeah. high on David Conf, but he scores ten or less goals every year. Yeah. And if somebody wants to give him three million plus to do that, then that's fine. But I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that might be my bold take. I think someone yeah. will give him three plus million on the open market. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, Alex Kerfoot gone. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, there's just no chance they could bring him back. No. He made three and a half million. I think his next deal will be for about two million. Yeah, and I know the coach likes him, but. He he, I don't. He had a, he had a hard time finding a role on this yeah. team, so we can yeah playing on the fourth line at yeah. times just didn't make sense. Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, I would love to keep him, but I just don't. I don't think it's going to work out. I think somebody's going to give him a, a big contract. Mm-hmm. Great fit here. Another guy. I like what he brings. I was a huge fan of bringing him in at the deadline. Um, you know, if I could keep him on a three or four year deal at four million dollars then yeah no brainer but somebody's going to give him a lot more than that so i just don't think it's going to work out agreed i think he'll cash in one more time before he wraps up his career could even be in st louis yeah i don't know like st louis i think they're in the in the midst of a retool right now i don't know if he fits that yeah um but yeah i think he could get upwards of like six million yeah on his next i agree so i agree um, because he was he was pretty useful for the Maple Leafs yeah. when he was here, so I think he priced his his way out. Unfortunately, Wayne Simmons gone. Yeah, not in the NHL. Yeah, I retired. Uh, Eric Gustafson probably gone as well. Yeah, I think so too. It's a bit of a shame because that was the player that you traded Rasmus Sandin for. Yeah. But as we all know, you did it for the first round pick. Yeah. Um, and he's fine. Like if they decided to keep him around, that's that's fine. It's just like you know keep around on a one or two year deal at a reasonable cost but I I, don't, I, I don't know he was their eighth defenseman going to the playoffs I, just, yeah. I don't think they I don't think they're dying to keep him around which is kind of crazy though by the way because he had more points in the regular season than Morgan Riley I know I know <laughs> I know but then you see him and it's just like he, he's just he's very one dimensional yeah. um, but again like if they kept him around like hey you know there's certainly no harm with having you know .5 points per game defenseman uh as your sixth, seventh, eighth yeah, guy, so in your back pocket, yeah, like I wouldn't mind keeping around, but yeah. yeah anyways, I, I think someone probably pays him not a lot, but yeah. like more than the Leafs would want to pay him as their seven. Agreed. Uh, Justin Hall, I think he's gone too. Yeah, I can't believe Justin Hall has lasted this long in this market. To be honest, <sighs> yeah, I was I was surprised as well, but he's taken enough. He's taken enough yes. feet. I'll, I'll, I'll spare him. Yeah, I know. He, I know he's a good guy too in the locker room. Yeah. All the guys love him. He yeah. seems to be a real glue guy, but it just doesn't make sense to keep. Yeah, him. I've, I've, I've honestly, I've been a bit of a Hall defend, defender where I don't think he's as bad as people think he is, and yeah. and clearly the coach has quite a bit of trust in him. But these playoffs were not good. Even no. even even those of us who may be a little more like neutral on him, like. Yeah, that was it. Was not good. When he plays up in the lineup, it's yeah. very evident that he should not be playing against top competition. Yeah. Play him on the third pair, that's fine. But yeah, I, I think he's done in yeah. the market. Uh, Luke Shen. I liked Luke Shen. I liked what he brought. I would do everything I can to keep him around. But again, 
big time is into the fact that this is notwithstanding how he played with Morgan Riley, he's not the guy who's going to play on your top pairing all year. No, he knows that too. He's at the point of his career where he's moved around a lot. Hopefully, he wants to settle down a little bit. You know, if they gave him two, three years at something under two, yep, preferably under one point five. Um, then yeah, I would do. I I really liked what he brought. I really liked what he brought. But I think he's he's going to be more of a death role than uh, than he played in the playoffs. I agree. That was shocking that he was on the top yeah. pair. Yeah, and it worked. And, yeah, and that was their best pair of yeah. playoffs. Yeah, it's Matt Hunwick. Yeah, seriously. Uh, or Ronald Hainsey. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You can just you can staple there, and you know what he's going to do. Yeah, but predictable. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I think Luke Shen comes back, but you're right. It's gonna it's got to be at a number that's reasonable. Which yeah. I think, you know, by all accounts, Luke Shen and, and just going back to his press conference at the end of the year, like it seems like he's willing to. I don't want to say take less, but like be reasonable, sign a reasonable number. Yeah. He's not chasing money, no, he's chasing lifestyle. On, yeah, he's been on the league minimum contract for a while now and he's been on the move for a while. So yeah, if you know, if you if he's comfortable here, which I'm sure he is having done two stints and they're comfortable with him, which I hope they are after the way he played, then yeah, you just make it work sometimes. Okay, Victor Mete, and then I've got one more that's yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I think Victor Mete's probably gone as well. Depth guy that's just, I don't know, there's not a lot of room for him unless he wants to come play in the, the AHL. But, yeah, he's somebody will somebody will probably look at him, you know, a team that needs some depth on defense and say you can come in and be our sixth, seventh guy and, and you know, we'll give you a league minimum. But he's just going to be too far down the, the lineup for uh, to make sense for him to want to come back. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay, this is... Maybe the biggest free agent. He's, yeah. a, he's a restricted free agent, Ilya Samsonov, and I'm going to need you to give a bit more of an explanation sure. for this one. Uh, not only because he's the biggest free agent on the list, but because I'm going to open the blinds too and give us some <laughs> more light. So, Ilya Samsonov, go ahead and keep talking, and I'll yeah, be back yeah. in one minute. I'm listening. Yeah. Well, I think he, he's. I think you have to bring him back because you don't really have a choice. Like. You're not going to have, uh, you know, despite how he played the last few games of the playoffs, you're not going to have Joseph Wall starting games for you, you know, 60 games next year. Uh, Matt Murray is not reliable, and you need to do what you can to move him out. So he's he's your best option. He's sitting there. He's he's under your control, the fact that he's an RFA, not a UFA. So you do what you can to, uh, to use that to your advantage and to make it work at a reasonable price. But he played well enough this year throughout the entire season um, and uh, is your best option of the three. So I think you do whatever you can to make it work. Um, you know, at the same time, he's had he's had ups and downs throughout his career. He's still somewhat unproven. This was his first season where he kind of pillared a post. You can say that he was good, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though there may have been a few dips in there along the way. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more to give him that Big contract, yeah. uh, you know, circling back to our goalie discussion earlier. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I would be comfortable giving him something in the range of four years at, you know, I'll call it under four and a half. Okay. Under four and a half, preferably under four. Yeah. Um, if it's but, I think, the four. but I think it's around four. I think it's around four. I think if it starts with a four... I'll be a little nervous yeah. going into the season. Not because I don't think he's a good goalie. I think this year he kind of proved that he can be a starting goalie in the NHL. You know, without Matt Murray being available virtually yeah. all year, um, 
out of necessity, he had to be the guy. Yeah. And and he fared pretty well for the most part. The only thing that does concern me about Samsonov is just the way that he kind of carries himself in the net sometimes. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but... You're the goalie guy. Well, right. So... I, I don't want to say that, that he's scrambly as, like, my main point, but that is something I notice, and, and non-goalie people will tell you this, too. If you just watch a guy and he's kind of all over the place, like, it just doesn't give you a lot of confidence, as opposed to a guy like, you know, even Joe Wall, who's a bit of a bigger guy, even though he's unproven. Yeah. He just, his movements are more crisp and controlled, and I like that about yeah. him. At the same time, though, Samsonov is, is a very explosive goalie, and he's able to make that acrobatic save if you need it. But that wasn't even my main yeah. point. My main point is that sometimes when I watch him, like the way that he favors certain areas of his body when he gets up, like after a, a play where he's stretching or or plays where he makes a difficult save or there's traffic incoming or, or there's contact made, I just don't love it. It almost looks like he plays up every interaction and this is just me as a fan watching and I have I have no evidence of, of anything to, yeah. to back up what my eyes are seeing but it just didn't give me a ton of confidence compared to when I watch other goalies even smaller goalies who play a similar style who are explosive and, and kind of scrambly in the crease like he just doesn't give me a ton of confidence in the net not taking anything yeah, away yeah. from him he had a great season but uh, I I would just be nervous going with a, a contract that starts with four million bucks I mean like yeah would I feel 100% comfortable no I wouldn't but you know I think something else the Leafs need here is some certainty they, mm. they've turned over a lot of goalies recently um, you know, some of them better than others. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I feel like I feel like you need to at some point say, okay, here's our guys. We're committed to them. We're going to help them grow. Samson is still a relatively young guy. You can let Joseph Wall develop and take the reins, and maybe you know, maybe two years from now he's ready to be the number one guy, or at least kind of split the tandem with him. Yeah. You know, so maybe maybe I revise and I say, okay, instead of four years, we go three years at. You know, let's call it. Let's still call it four. Okay. Three years at four million with Samsonov. You know, I I think I would be comfortable with with something like that. Maybe I should have gone that instead of the four years. Yeah. But you know, I I personally, you know, I don't want to have to be dealing with who's our goalie going into next season every year. <sighs> at some point, at some point, you know, I would like to say, here's our guy. We're gonna ride with him, and you know, we can be confident in him, and we know that he's gonna be there for us next year. And I feel like he's he's you know through one season earned that respect at not a super long term deal. Yeah, um, but that's just my my thoughts. That makes a lot of sense because that conversation about the uncertainty in net is exhausting. Yeah, it's been going on for the last four years or so, yeah. dating back to when Freddie Anderson yeah. was the guy. But even then, it was like, okay, who's his backup? Yeah. Is it Curtis McElhaney, who yeah. was probably the best one yeah. until yeah. Jack Campbell? Yeah. Because in between, it was like Calvin Pickard yeah. and like uh, Garrett Sparks. Yeah. And, you know, they had a yeah. bunch of guys. So that never gave me much confidence. And then Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic, obviously, yeah. neither of those really worked out. Yeah, and, and, you know, at the same time with this, too, it's like... You know, we'll put we'll put Matt Murray to the side for a sec because I don't think I don't think there's you know much desire to bring him back. No. But Wall has made really good strides, especially lately. He's he's looked good when he's had to go in. 
but he's also so unproven. And so, you know, I would also feel nervous, as nervous as I would be if I'm going four years at, let's say, north of $4 million with Samsonov, I'd also be nervous going in at a real short-term deal, like one or two years, and, you know, also having Joseph Wall, because there's a chance that, you know, maybe neither of them is the guy, right? Yeah, but, uh, definitely. Anyways, yeah, that that's definitely going to be the, the most interesting one, so... For sure, and... Last year, when we did this podcast, talking about our ideal offseason for the Maple Leafs, we had a lengthy discussion about goaltending options via trade. John Gibson was the name that came up quite a bit, um, and he is still in trade rumors. He has officially requested a trade out of Anaheim, and two other goalies are also being rumored uh, or or being thrown into the uh, trade rumor mill, uh, specifically at the draft that's coming up. Connor Hellebuck mm-hmm. is a name that I've seen a ton, and Thatcher Demko is a name that I've seen a ton, as well as Carter Hart, yeah. which, by the way, we haven't been checking our phones. That yeah. deal might be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, there are a few names out there. Are, are there any names of those guys who interest you in terms of bringing in a goaltender via trade? Do you think that's even an option? For Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I, I feel like there was a lot of momentum in that direction last year just because of you know, the fact that Campbell was leaving, Morazic was not great, which is a bit of a understatement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, right now I think, yeah, you have a guy who, notwithstanding him not having a contract, he's he's under your control. Um, Joseph Wall has, has looked the part. Um, you know, so I think there's enough confidence there where I wouldn't be so keen to look around and give up a million assets to pluck a guy out of who knows where. Um, you know, just as just as defensemen go for expensive uh, packages, goaltenders probably go for even more expensive packages. Definitely. So, um, you know, I, I certainly you maybe make a call if you're the GM just to do your due diligence. But I, I, I wouldn't be banking on the Leafs giving up, you know, a, a huge package for Connor Hellebuck. I mean, agreed. Yeah, agreed. I just don't or think it's feasible. Yeah, I don't think it's feasible. Though, how nice would it be? To have a guy like that, and this is even excluding yeah. John Gibson, because yeah. Gibson has been kind of down over the last few years. He hasn't been great, but those two in particular, Demko and Hellebuck, how nice would it be as a Leafs fan just to have that confidence in one of those guys for the next however many years? It would be very nice. <laughs> it would be very nice. <laughs> the uncertainty yeah. conversations that have been looming over our yeah. heads about goaltending would be out the window. you got to develop one eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, they drafted Dennis Hildeby last year. He's a guy coming up. Yeah. He's a big goaltender. I, I think he's like 6'6". Six, six. Signed him already. And yeah, he signed. He was an overager in the draft. Uh, I think he's Swedish. He played in the Swedish League last year um, and was with the Marlies for a bit. Maybe he's a guy that they look to. You never know about Arthur Atiyamov or Vacheslav Peksa, yeah. those two guys now who they drafted. you just names I've never heard of. Yeah, right? well, those are two goalies that... Dubas drafted years yeah. ago, but anyways, so they do need to draft and develop a guy. Right now, it seems like Joe Wall is the best candidate, but yeah, goaltending man. That's why Samsonov. That's that's the most important. Fingers crossed. RFA. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, we're we're almost done here. I would say maybe another ten minutes. Although I say that, that'll be another half hour. We'll we'll go quick. Yeah, but again, we're giving the people what they want. Yeah. Normally on this pod, we can't talk exclusively Leafs. So yeah. That's why I like having you on. 
Um, my next topic I wanted to talk about is uh, just a few players who are ready to play in the NHL who are in the Leafs system or, yeah. or players who you think might be close. So I have a list here. All I want you to do is tell me whether or not they play NHL games next year. And if so, if they're a regular. I, I'm actually going to change this up a little bit. Okay. What do you want to... I'm going to... I'll name the list, all of them, before I give my thoughts, because I think my okay. thoughts are going to be the same with all these guys. Okay, so up there you've enough. got listed Alex Steves, yeah. Bobby McMahon, Nick Ibrizese, Pontus Holmberg, Toby Niemela, and Ronnie Herpinen. Yes. I think all of those guys get some NHL time next year in really? terms of, like, they'll come up and play some games. I don't think any of them are impact players. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that is a good way to phrase it. Yeah. That's an interesting way to phrase it. Yeah. Do you think any of those players who you just listed have a full-time spot on the team? Maybe Holmberg. Okay. That's it. I think Holmberg will get a shot at that fourth-line center role. Mm -hmm. And I think Bobby McMahon will probably get a shot at a fourth-line winger role. He'll he'll get a shot. Um, You know, I I don't... dislike McMahon. I think he's fine. He came up and played fairly well, but you know, like ultimately all these guys I've just named off, and I'll, I'll put Niamla and Herbin into the side for a second because they're yeah. more prospects, but yeah. the other guys, like they're, no disrespect to them, but they're a dime a dozen. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think those are those are classic guys who are going to go play for the Marlies and then play for the Leafs and they'll go up and down and yeah. So I won't, yeah, I, th- I told you I'd be quick on this. Yes, one. fair yeah. enough. Do you know what Casey calls those types of players? I don't. Quadruple A players <laughs> because they're you know they're too good for AAA, yeah. but not quite good enough for for the big leagues. Yeah, that's what I, I liked Holmberg this year. I'll give him a little bit of a shout out of out of that group. I thought he played pretty well, and yeah. Keith likes him. But uh, well, Andy brings a different element too, right? He's yeah. more defensively responsible, I think, than than the rest on this yeah. list. So. Yeah. If you bring that, I mean, you're going to get into the good graces of the coach. And especially if Keefe is back, who knows the player. Yeah. I think Holmberg gets a real shot. And then I only mention McMahon because, uh, like, down the stretch in the American yeah. League last year, I think he had, like, 20 and 20. Yeah, no, he, so, he played he played really well. I think he's a solid player. It's just he's, you know, if he comes up and plays, he's going to play on the fourth line. And, like, you can we can debate fourth line players yeah. all day. but like, It's not going to move the needle. They're not going to move the needle. They're not going to win a championship. I hear you. Okay, uh, second last topic here. The last topic is going to be uh, just you putting together your ideal lines for uh, game one uh, of, uh, of next season. But I just, before we do that, I have a list of UFA players. Yeah. And I've highlighted a few that I think could be interesting for the Leafs at the right price. I'm just going to read them quick because there's a ton of names. Sure. All I want you to tell me is whether you're interested or not. Yeah. If you are interested, tell me if it's feasible or not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first on the list, Alex Kalorn. Yeah, interested. He's a winner. Um, I would say it's feasible, but I do think somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. So, um, you know, you can try it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, agreed. I think he'll get too much money. Similar yeah. to Pilat. I mean, exactly. even though Pilat, I think, was the better player, um, Kalorn will get, will get some money. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Kane, does that interest you? That's a fun one. Oh yeah, like obviously this <laughs> story will interest me, but he can make way too much money, and now he's coming off of a uh, hip surgery that's going to keep him out four to six months. So I'm, I'm going to say, you know, you make the call just because you make the call. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah, Max Domi, interesting. He's a guy who's who's been around a lot. Um, you know, I think he's. 
Yeah, I would be interested if if it's the right number. I think he's the type of guy that you know he would look good on your third line, but yep. he's got to be realistic about what he's worth. He's not he's not the seventy point max no. dome anymore. I think he knows that he's been he's been on the move every deadline mm-hmm. for the last number of years. So yeah, I'd make that call. He looked great in Dallas. I think maybe Dallas tries to keep him. I don't know what they do yeah. there, but I, I feel like he really found his game there. Uh, JT Comfer. Yeah, I like JT Comfer. I'd be interested as well. Same same type of thing with Alex Glorin. I think he's he's a guy who's he's won. Um, seems like a guy who can play up and down the lineup. A little more responsibility this year um, in Colorado, but will somebody pay him? I think he's less likely to get paid the big numbers than uh, than uh, Kalorn, but I still think uh, you know he might be a little bit outside your wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, okay, Tarasenko. Same, I think somebody will give him a lot of money. I think he's, yeah, they don't have room for Tarasenko. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't even think and he fits. No, I don't think he fits, and I, I don't think he's played amazing the last number of years anyway, so, yeah. Thomas Tatar. I think this is an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I, I, I think he's at an interesting spot because he's a guy who's, you know, I think he's more inclined to play in a top six. I don't think he can anymore. Hmm. Um you know, so yeah, like, and and what's he gonna want? Hopefully, he's, hopefully he's more realistic in terms yeah. of what he wants now. Because I don't think he's again, he's not the guy that he he once was. Um, I'll be honest, I've never been a huge Thomas the Tar. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Jason Zucker. Yep, Jason. I like Jason Zucker. Good player. Um, Bring something a little different. Plays up and down your lineup. Getting so, up there in age, though, that's the only concern. Getting I would up say. there in age, but yeah, good player. Ivan Barbashev? Really like Ivan Barbashev. Um, but I also think a lot of other people really like <laughs> Ivan Barbashev. Especially after this play. Especially after this playoff. He hits, he, he works hard, he brings a different element. He's not going to obviously put up a ton of offense, but I, I liked him in St. Louis and I like him in Vegas. So I would, I would absolutely be looking at uh, bringing him in. Yeah, and then you get the whole trio there if they're able to keep Achari yeah. and O'Reilly as yeah. well, the whole trio from St. Louis. Eric Halla, this is a player who Casey really likes in New Jersey. So <laughs> yeah, you, and I, you know, I think he's a good depth player. Um, I think he was a little bit miscast in, in Boston, yeah. which is an understatement. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what he brought in New Jersey this year. He's an interesting case because I don't know how much the league values him in terms of is somebody going to give him a lot of money. My suspicion is no. Agreed. So, you know, I think he's a candidate for somebody who is, should David Kampf walk, who could be your third line center. Um, but as I keep coming back to, the cost has to be reasonable here. So, yes, I'm, I'm interested in Eric Hall. Okay. Corey Perry has been linked to the Leafs for the last, you know, three, four years. Yeah. Now a UFA again, does it finally happen? I would love that. I think he's, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's just so effective even still in this different role than what he's been earlier in his career. Um, yeah, I think if he wants to come in and play on your fourth line at a million dollars and, and punch guys in the face and cross check <laughs> and do all the things that have pissed Leaf fans off whenever we've had to see him in the playoffs, then absolutely there's just always a spot for Corey Perry on, on my team. Yeah, you could sit him 70 out of the 82 games yeah. and just play him the last 10 to ramp yeah. up for the playoffs, and yeah. he would be just as effective, yeah. if not more Agreed. effective. Agreed. Uh, every time the Leafs have played 
Tampa Bay and he's in the lineup, like especially thinking of the last two yeah. playoff series, I am still just surprised at how much jam he has left, Me honestly. Too. Like Me he too. is still an effective shit disturbing player. Yeah. That's that's the only way to put it. Yeah. Uh Sean Monahan, what do you think about that player? Contract aside, because yeah. in a deal or, or sorry, the deal that is uh done now where he's making six point two five, I think, that's over with. So yeah. what do you think about Sean Monahan uh if he takes a pay cut? Yeah, I mean I think I think kind of similar to Eric Hall in a sense. I think if he came in and, and out of reasonable cost played your third line center, absolutely. Um you know, I think somebody will value him higher than an Eric Holland just because he's had a better career. But this is somebody I think is, yeah, he's in a very different role than he than he was in Calgary, um, especially five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, the same thing. I'm going to say you're going to hear me say a lot yeah. on this list. I'm interested. You just got to make the call and see what they're see what they're thinking. So fair enough. Yeah. Just have to bring these names up yeah. because there's so much turnover yeah. on the Leafs roster. So these are just a bunch of names of players who could fit in and, and fill some holes. And I actually yeah. think Monaghan is one where, you know, I would be very interested, especially with the connection between Treliving and Monaghan. That's who signed that yeah. big ticket originally. Yeah. And he knows his upside. I don't know. I could see it, especially if Kampf prices himself out of Toronto. I could see them paying... Monahan a similar amount of money and you know you might get some offense out of that player too yep. so yeah I wouldn't mind that Tyler Bertuzzi last forward to talk about yeah what's there not to like about Tyler Bertuzzi he's you know effective he's physical he puts up good numbers he's uh you know a bit of a shit disturber so I'm yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh Bertuzzi but he's gonna he's gonna get more, way more money than the yeah. Leafs can afford so I, diligence call. I'll call him a dil- diligence call. Fair enough. Yeah. I, the thing with Bertuzzi, too, he's a bit of a band-aid, so that scares me a yeah. little bit. But uh, great player. Probably too expensive, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Um, a few defensemen here, and we'll just rapid fire. Yeah. Dmitry Orlov, John Klingberg, Damon Severson, and Ryan Graves. Orlov, um, yeah, I think every team in the league is going to be interested after the way he played in Boston. I think somebody's going to give him a lot of money. I would be cautious of that because for 99% of his career, he's not been that guy. He's been a solid top four guy for Washington, which is definitely worth something. He's got a Stanley Cup ring, like lots of going right in his career. But I have a, I have a feeling somebody's going to pay him quite a lot and give him a lot of term. So you may not be be able to compete with that. Um, John Klingberg, to me, honestly, too one-dimensional. Yeah, I'm not, not interested. I'm not, a, I'm not a Klingberg guy. Damon Severson, also kind of like borderline with, with that as well. I'm, I, 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 I thought he, you know, at times has shown more upside than he has, or, you know, I guess has come to fruition lately in New Jersey. There was a time I was quite high on him. You know, I think he could be a... Um, a 5-6 here mm-hmm. on this team probably more of a 5 so I'd make the call see what he's thinking see what he's worth but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be bending over backwards for, for Severson Agreed. Graves though I'm, I I really like Graves and he brings something different he's big he's physical he's more of a stay at home guy um, you know I don't think he's gonna um, get a ton of cash um, so I, I really like that player and I, I I would do yeah I would I would definitely do a deep dive on him yeah I, I think New Jersey will do everything they can to keep Graves yeah. but I mean who knows like if he's available we have to remember 
New Jersey has some pretty good defensemen coming up yeah, in the pipeline, and they got six foot seven Kevin Ball back there who could easily yeah. step into that those shoes. So, yeah, um, yeah they, they have a replacement. But so Graves interests me the most on the backhand. Monahan I think interests me the most uh, up front. Let's go to goalies. I'm just going to yeah. read this sure. list, and and these are guys who I identified who I think it would be feasible for the Leafs to make an offer if they can't get something done with. Ilya Samsonov, or if they just want some depth at, yeah. at you know a guy who signs to a cheap number. Sure. So Martin Jones, Tristan Jari, Jonathan Quick, Philip Gustafson, Freddie Anderson, a reunion, uh, Semyon Varlamov, and Aiden Hill, possible Stanley Cup champion <laughs> Aiden Hill. What are your thoughts on that list? Anybody there jump off the page to you? I really liked how Philip Gustafson played this year in Minnesota. Um, took the took the number one role, even though he didn't play every single game in the playoffs. But I think he's shown a lot of upside. Um, you know, still a lot to prove there. But I think he's he's the guy that looks like he's trending in the right direction. And that's, you know, especially stands out on this list where there's a lot of veteran guys, a lot of guys who are in the back nine of their career. Yeah, You also have Aiden Hill in there, who obviously is you know, man of the hour right now, but it's taken him a long time and still coming into these playoffs was fifth on their depth chart. If you count, if you count Robin Leonard in there at the best fourth, um, you know, so how, you know, how are we really going to value him? So I I would say Philip Gustafson is is the guy that uh, interests me the most. Yeah. I I look at a guy like Varlamov as well, who has been consistently pretty good Mm -hmm. in in New York and the Islanders, they have Sorokin now locked up and the backup position I don't think is that big of a concern because Sorokin, you can roll him out for 70 games. Um, So Varlamov is an interesting one. I just don't know. Uh, if if he still has it and how long he would yeah. want, so th- it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but those are some names I, I brought up. Uh, any interest in Freddie Anderson reunion? <laughs> what do you think? Not realistically. No. Yeah, like he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's a bit of a band aid. But think like, if my if my choice is yeah, if my choice is keep Samsonov and have Wall back up or bring back Freddie Anderson, I think I'm going with the former. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Last question. We're going to wrap up this podcast. We've gone for over two hours, John. This is crazy. Jeez, this is even, a marathon. Didn't even, didn't even look at my watch. I hope you didn't plan anything tonight. Because <laughs> Just the, dinner. I see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Should have done that before. Yeah, yeah, I know. Should have known if we were talking Leafs, we'd be going on. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but just wrapping up here, we're talking about, uh, or, or we're going to talk about the lineup on yeah. day one of next season. Okay. I'm just looking at it now. These are the players that they have signed mm-hmm. up front. Matthew Nyes, Austin Matthews, William Nylander. I have that as my top line. Nick Robertson, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner. I have that as my second line. Then you've got Yarn Croke and Lafferty also signed in the forward group. And then you've got four starting spots. I would call it the 3C spot, mm-hmm. the third line right wing spot, and then two fourth line spots that are kind of just open and free right now. Uh, for someone to take or for a player to slot in um, if you sign them. On the back end, I've got Riley Brody, McCabe Lilligren, Geo, and Timmins. Obviously, that's not to mention uh, Luke Shen, who we yeah. both believe will be re-signing. But you probably want to push Timmins down. And Giordano may or may not retire this offseason. That's what Nick Kiprios has been saying. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. But who knows how much Giordano has left in the tank at 40 years old. Um, and then on the back end, obviously, we've talked about the goaltending situation. 
Samsonov. If he doesn't come back, you've got Wool and Murray. So just looking at that lineup right now, what do you think happens for opening night? What would your prediction be? Yeah, I, I think I think we won't spend a ton of time on D and goalies here because I know we've housed that out already. I think Samsonov comes back in net, and Samsonov Waller, you guys. Yeah, I think Luke Shen resigns, and then there's your seven. Um, so I'll spend most of the time on on the forwards yep. here. First thing I'll say is I, I don't think Robertson is your second line left winger. Okay, um, I think he's either pushed down the lineup or possibly not even in the lineup. So that is my first comment. I, I think Jaron Krope probably for me is is slotted at least right now into that top six. Okay, well let me stop you. Yeah. What do you do with Robertson then? What's well, the plan? I think you give him every chance to to make this team. I think he's shown flashes of that, but he's very injury prone. He's had trouble at times finding a role, mm-hmm. and so I think, as I said, you give him the chance, but you know I think you also have to look to the free agency market to see if there's anything that that may be more of an upgrade. In terms of glaring holes, I think Holmberg is somewhere on there as the one guy from the depth chart, probably a fourth line center. I think as your third line center, as I've expressed, my preference is to bring back David Kampf. I think he's I think he's good in that role, and that's obviously assuming that you can't bring back a, a Ryan O'Reilly yeah, or yeah. that type. So you know you bring back a Kampf or you you know Eric Holla maybe fits into that role as well. That's probably what I'm looking at for that third line center. Okay. Fourth line left wing, you know I think an Aston Reese is is good enough to resign to put in there. Um, so that's uh, that's that's probably who I'm leaning towards in terms of I guess a third line right wing and maybe even a third line left wing. Yeah, that's where there's you know some decisions to be made here. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on those? Well, you're losing Kerfoot more than likely, yeah. and he was a guy who typically played on that third line mm-hmm. on one of the wings. Um, I mean, you've got Nola Chari, who, right. who we yes. haven't mentioned. Yes. So we haven't mentioned him. Who so, fits in. So Chari would be in my my one of the third line left. Uh, yeah, assuming roles. he comes back, and yes. that's that's what we're hoping. But I still think there's room out there if they can make it fit under the cap to sign a player to play middle six. You yeah. know, whether he's on the wing or down the middle, who makes between four and five million dollars. I think that could reasonably work. Like, four and five may be a little bit rich. I guess it depends again on the big the big elephant in the room of, of what you know your cap situation looks like. Right. Um, but yeah, like I, I absolutely think I think you dip into the free agency market. I, I would love to see Achari back as we've said on, on one of those spots, but yeah, you you have some room to, to look around, and, and maybe you do give somebody four million dollars, and maybe it's you know maybe 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 Kalorn doesn't get five or six, maybe he gets four. Um, you know that's that's the one name, or maybe it's a Max Domi who comes in at three million dollars, three and a half million dollars in place there. So I think I think you've got those options, regardless of of you know who fills out those roles. Third and fourth line guys, of course, are pretty interchangeable. To me, I think the important takeaway, notwithstanding the frustrating way the playoffs lost, is that you need multiple dimensions on a team to win. Yes, the two teams that are in the playoffs right or the, that are in the final right now have gotten there by winning in multiple ways. Whether it's lock it down and, and you know rely on your goalie mm-hmm. or score outscore the other opponent at times to use speed to use physicality. Um, I think versatile teams win championships. Definitely. And so whoever you bring in, I would I would, you know, 
emulate the moves that uh, if we want to walk, talk about Kyle Dubas' <laughs> legacy, I would try and emulate some of the moves he made around the deadline where he recognized the need to to add some spice to this lineup. Yeah, um, this year you're talking about this coming year. I, I would continue with that. Um, and yeah, ultimately we'll see too what happens with the uh, the big guys in there as well. But in terms of free agency, that's what I would do. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of holes to fill, and obviously a lot is up in the air right now with the Maple Leafs. A lot of big decisions to be yeah. made by Brad Tree Living. Um, but yeah, there you have it. There's our ideal off season for Brad Tree Living and the Maple Leafs. Thank you so much if you made it to the end for listening to episode 173 of the Boys and Booth podcast. Thank you, John Kiriakou, for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.